Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Joe Minoso from Chicago Fire and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's, the One Chicago Podcast. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 258 of Meet Us at Molly's. Um, of course, we're going over this week's episodes because the shows are back. They are new. Thank God. I know, right? I feel like it's been 28 years. <laughs> It's been like three weeks, but yes. I know. It thing. just feels like though this hiatus just feels like it's lasted for a really long time. Yeah. I'll echo that for sure. But I'm glad they're back. I'm glad we get them straight through to the finales. Like it feels good. Yeah. So it's four straight weeks now. It's this week and then right through to the 24th, the season finales. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we are back and ready to finish out these seasons strong. Yep. So uh, we are going to start with the news, just like we always do. There's a lot happening right now. So yeah. we have a lot of news. So buckle up. Um, the very first thing that we're going to lead with, because obvious reasons, uh, it's Thursday when we're recording. When you're listening to this, it will be day four of the WGA writer's strike. Yep. Um, the Writers Guild of America, both East and West, they agreed late Wednesday night to call a strike. Due Monday to- night. Was it Monday night? Oh, geez. I- yeah, because they started Tuesday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they they both agreed late on Monday night to start with a strike due to failed negotiations on a new agreement with the AMPTP, the Association of Motion Picture. Ah, I can't remember what the, the other two are. Um, but yeah, it's the AMPTP, and they're on strike now until they get a better deal. And frankly, Good for them because what they're asking for is not unreasonable at all. They're asking for a living wage. Yeah. Well, and even just beyond that, I mean, yes, they are obviously asking for a living wage, but they're asking for the system to be upgrade, you know, to meet modern day. Because the way that I understand it, at least, is that they're still getting paid based on how things were 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. And that's just not where we're at. And that's not where entertainment is at. And it's, they're not getting a fair wage because of how antiquated the system is. Right. And if you just fix the system, fix a few little things in the system, then the writers can be paid fairly and it won't be, you know, it's not like you said, it's not like they're asking for that much. No, they're really not. Uh, a fix to the system it's really all they're asking for yeah i mean they're i I don't know what the the a lot of the problems stem from streaming now that that's part of the the market for entertainment writers are not being fairly compensated for their work on streaming shows at all at all we don't know the specifics of it but that is part of the issue is that they're not being fairly paid they're not being properly compensated for streaming rights for different things like that um, I've seen tweets going around from various writers. The, a lot of writers have been very transparent on social media about, yes. you know, what their checks look like and what the problem is, what they're fighting for. And they're, they've been very transparent. Um, I don't know if you saw, because I know you love Gronish, but apparently yesterday there were two actors from Gronish who were asked to join the picket line and they just laughed and left. And the writer named them. 
Oh no, because, I didn't see that. Yeah, they just the the, the writers now are I'm about fed to up. Go look now, I'm about to go look at it. Yeah, um, the writers are fed up, and so they're dropping names. They're being the most transparent they've ever been. Yeah, um, and and frankly, we support them. Yeah. Oh, uh, thousand twenty million percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I mean, don't forget that the writers who bring us the Chicago shows. A lot of them are part of the WGA, so they're probably mm-hmm. out there on the picket lines as well. We don't know that for sure, but no. they're striking right alongside everybody. Steven else. Weber was out there, and he's not even in W. He's not even a writer. He, you know, he, right. he was out there. Right, right. So uh, late night has already gone off the air. They weren't going to last very long in a writer strike anyway. Late lines are late night is already in reruns. Saturday yeah. Night Live has already canceled. This weekend, along with the remaining two shows that were left in the season. And um, I think The View is staying on the air. Or it's, it's either. It's, yeah, some of the like morning shows can get can away get with. Yeah, because they don't have writing staffs. But even, I mean, things like soap operas. I mean, they're, they've only probably got like a month left before they'll obviously go into reruns. Assuming it lasts this long. Um even things like which it didn't cross my mind originally, but I, you know, on the in the beginning of the strike, I was like, oh yeah, Jeopardy. I mean, like things like that have writing staffs, which right. you don't really think about that because you don't compare them to a show like Chicago Fire, but they technically have writing staffs. So right. they'll eventually go back to reruns and you know. It's crazy. It, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So um we've gotten the question a couple of times this week: what's gonna happen to the Chicago shows? What does this mean for the Chicago shows? All of this that we're about to tell you is from our understanding. We have nothing in terms of like concrete information. Zilch. We have not heard from anybody about anything. This is just what the two of us think from experience as fans of television. Yeah. That's it. So Med and PD have already wrapped for the season. Like a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Right. So that means all the episodes are filmed and done for Med and PD. Fire is still in their last couple of days of filming. Today was their last day. Was today their last day? Okay, good. So so point being that right now, as of this moment, the Chicago's are safe. Yep. As as of this moment, we're okay. Now, I say as of this moment because if this strike extends about even just a month, we're going to see the fall dates get pushed back. And that's for not that that's not even just for the Chicago shows. That really goes for like pretty much all fall TV. Yeah. Because I mean, granted, shows. there is a little, you know, every show is different, but for the most part, they all start in June, early June. A lot of them start production some point in July so that they can have episodes ready for September premieres. So, like you said, if it goes even a month. The Chicago shows will definitely be affected, but most of the other television will be as well. Right. Exactly. And we even saw reports this week of production being impacted on, I think, American Horror Story. So mm-hmm. we're only in the single digit days into this strike and they are, they're already having profound impacts on existing productions that are going down. Yeah, I just saw something. I can't even remember what show it was. Um, oh, it may have been like one of the Lord of the Rings shows or something. They're like just going on without a showrunner, which is just like, I can't even imagine. I think it was Lord of the Rings, whatever, one of those new Lord of the Rings shows. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Uh, the 2007 strike lasted about three months. Yeah. That's a long we time. We all know how that has affected television. Um, yeah. I had seen a tweet the other day and it was, ob- it, I thought it was really interesting because I hadn't really thought about it in that way, but it was like, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. It was talking about Friday Night Lights. And obviously we all know what happened to Friday Night Lights season two. Yeah, it's just, it. it I mean, it was season two happened because of the writer's strike and it was just it was oh here it is it says friday night lights isn't just a show famously wrecked by the 07 writer's strike it also shows why writers are going on strike did you watch friday night lights when it was on tv probably not you streamed it i streamed it it's probably made hundreds of millions for netflix and writers get none of that bingo right there right there yeah um, I know some of the celebs who are on the WGA boards, either East Coast or West Coast, um, some of them have tweeted the list of demands alongside mm-hmm. AMPTP's like response into what yeah. they're looking for. So um, Adam Conover, he's the host of Adam Ruins Everything, uh, which is actually kind of a fun show. Charlie and I will watch it every now and then. But Adam is on the board of w- one of the WGAs. I can't remember which coast, but he tweeted out the list side by side with what they had responded with and some of it is just outrageous what they responded with uh there was one ask from the wga to you know basically have compensation on a scale so that if you're on a show that is you know gains popularity and is heavily watched and very popular that you're compensated in proportion with that yeah and some of the responses on these were just like they refused our offer and didn't even make a counter yeah and that's i think honestly what's more I mean you learn unfortunately that show business is business but I think what's crazy to me is that there's not even uh, negotiations happening it's just like nope we're not listening nope you're wrong like it'd be one thing if you said okay yeah the WGA had to settle on this point so they could get this point you know I mean obviously business is business there is going to be some level of compromise but like the fact that they're not the studios aren't even listening to WGA on a lot of these points I mean think that also says a lot yeah it it says buckle up because this could be worse than the 07 strike yeah it very well could be but again I mean they're fighting for a fair wage it's they're not asking for anything unreasonable they're asking to be able to make ends meet yep while the execs of these studios bring in what like 800 million dollars a year yeah because of the writers and because of what writers do they can't bring in 800 million bajillion dollars if you don't have writers. Yeah, exactly. And you guys out there listening to this right now, sit back for a second and think about the fact that none of us would be where we are at this moment if it weren't for writers. Brian and yep. I would not be recording this. You would not be sitting in your home listening to this if writers hadn't, you know, taken seat at the computer in 2012 and started the show. Yeah. None of this would exist without them. I would not have words from One Tree Hill tattooed on my body without a writer. Yeah. They have a very important job. Yep. Very important job. Yeah. So, and I I think the sound that I heard is that all they are asking is for these executives to part with like 3% of their compensation. Less than 3%. Less than 3%. Yeah. It's something like, they're basically just asking for less than 3% of the profits. That's which absolutely is like crazy. 
disgusting to me that these execs just can't like part with 3% of their comp. Like, I think you can yeah. forego the private jet that's polluting the earth. You don't even have to forego the private jet. You have to forego like, it, that'd be saying like forego the mini bottles of champagne on the private jet. Right. That you don't even have to forego the private jet. No. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if 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 I were in LA, you know, I'd probably drop by and drop donuts for the writers or something. I'm not in oh, LA. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I uh, saw you know. that Jay Leno has done that, you know, and that he did that and now he's doing it again. And I think that's very cool. It is great. Yeah. Um, oh. Rob Lowe was spotted on the picket lines, as Brenda said. Stephen Weber. Weber. Or Stephen Weber. He's on the picket lines. God love him. Yeah, love him so much. Love it. Um, seen a couple of different actors on the picket lines. I yeah, and I mean, obviously, of course, there. actors that are writers. Like, I've seen Brett Goldstein out there every mm-hmm. day. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Um, John Mulaney had a special with Jon Stewart planned for this weekend that he's canceled out of support. Uh, Drew Barrymore dropped out of hosting the MTV whatever awards in support of the writers. Oh, yeah. And I think we'll see a lot more of that this summer. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, depending on how long it lasts. Yeah. Depending on how long it lasts. Yes. Buckle up because this could get really bumpy. It really could. Uh, yeah. But, you know, let's let's find a silver lining here. I mean, this really sucks, but let's try and find a silver lining. So the best thing that came out of the 2007 writer strike is something Felicia Day posted, posted about today. Um, did you ever see Dr. Horrible's sing-along vlog? No, no. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, uh, Joss Whedon did this thing with Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion and Felicia Day, and it's called Dr. Horrible Sing Along Vlog. It's like a, it was on YouTube basically where they dropped it. And it's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's fantastic. Nathan Fillion's in it. So that should be enough to like lure you in, right? Well, you, you could have stopped at Neil Patrick Harris, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, granted, we were different ages in 07. Okay. I was, yeah, I was like on the cusp of adulthood and you were still a teen. So maybe it Not wouldn't even. have resonated as much, but it's, it was enjoyable. And Felicia uh, Day posted how that was like the one good thing to come out of the 07 writer's strike. So maybe, you know, maybe from where all this shitty stuff is happening, something good can come of it. In addition to a new contract, I'm not just talking about, you know, them solving the negotiations. There might be some good that can come from this. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. And if production on the Chicago's gets delayed, then we'll get creative too. And who knows what we might come up with. We've already got some fun ideas planned for hiatus. So we'll make it happen. If we can survive the COVID hiatus, (laughs) <laughs> we could survive like if it were to push it back a few weeks we're fine I, what did we even do over covid it was such a blur wild times yeah it really if we could survive the covid hiatus we could survive a writer strike. strike oh for sure for sure <laughs> the other thing this means um you know we want to make sure that we're transparent with you guys the other thing this means is that if the strike is still ongoing by the time the season finales roll around, we will not have any season finale coverage this year. Um, writers are prohibited from doing any form of work during the strike, and that includes any sort of press or promotion. Yep. Um, we've already reached out to Derek and Andrea about scheduling the interview. Uh, so we've already been in contact with them a little bit, and we were informed that, you know, hey, if the strike is still ongoing, we will not be able to do anything. And we completely respect that. 
yeah, completely support that. that. I mean, obviously, even that, you know, Andrea told us um, that will just be Andrea. But um, Andrea said, like, obviously, we hope it's wrapped up by then. And we do have a temporary day and, you know, picked out. Uh, but obviously, like Gina said, you know, if it's still going ongoing, it will not happen. No. So. Nope. Maybe in the future, but, you know, maybe we could, if it's done by the summer, you know, maybe we'll convince Andrea to see if we can get her back on, but. Um, yeah. 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 But right now what's most important is that these writers get what they're fighting for and they get paid yep. a fair wage. Yep. I can't believe that they're having to fight this hard just to be able to make ends meet. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And so. Yeah, I mean, our thoughts are with, you know, the, the the writers who have, you know, interacted with us over the years. Yeah, the people who've become our friends, you know, um, we're really grateful that so many of the writers, especially on Fire and Med, as you guys know, have come on into our podcast, been supporting us from literally day one. If we're talking about like Derek and then obviously mm-hmm. Jeff, too, um, you know, they've become good friends of ours and we're, you know, we just want we just want the best for them and, you know. So they can keep living their lives and doing the things that bring them not only joy, but us joy too. And so that's all we want. Yep. None of us are here without the writers and what they do. But actually though. Yeah. All of the friends we have, all of the friends you guys have wouldn't happen if the writers hadn't put pen to paper. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're, we, we wish the best for our writer friends and we hope that this gets resolved soon. Yeah. Yeah. So we got another piece of news this week, which is really just confirmation of stuff we already knew. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was a picture floating around the internet like like last week, two weeks ago. Uh, last, it was at the end of last week because it happened after we recorded. It feels like it was like a month ago at this rate. No. <laughs> um, there's been a picture floating around the internet. You all have probably seen it, but it's basically Jesse Spencer and Kara. And I think Hanukkah is like way in the background somewhere. And they're standing well, and in front Miranda. Of this, and Miranda, yeah. And they're standing in front of this like blue house with this white picket fence. And basically the picture floated around and the whole internet was like, oh, so he's coming back for the finale. That's cool. I this week we got defin- confirmation. I definitely did not think he was coming back. I thought we were gonna get based on how 18 ends and you know that whole storyline that we know is gonna happen in the finale. I thought we would get like Casey on the phone type of thing like Jesse goes into a booth for like 30 minutes and you know says some lines but I did not think he was actually coming back so I was kind of shocked when I saw that picture yeah yeah I mean I wasn't shocked I was hoping we'd see him again and I figured yeah the I, mean, I guess Taylor maybe not shocked I just really didn't expect it yeah yeah I figured uh, I figured the longer Taylor is gone the more likely it is that we'd see him again and so I wasn't surprised but I was happy for sure yeah for sure so we did get the confirmation this week from friend of the pod, Emily Longaretta, who does the Lord's work with this fandom. We all know it. But yeah, Jesse Spencer is coming back for the season finale. However, however, Taylor Kenny will not be back this season. Yeah. That doesn't mean he won't be back ever. It just means that he won't be back this season. So I don't really even know how to bring it up, but I've seen a lot of chatter since this has come out on Twitter about people being really mad at Taylor for at this point, just not even like, and maybe even the shows too, but Taylor, especially for just like not addressing it at this point, like 
is he coming? Is he going? What's he doing? Especially because like at this point, there have been a couple of photos of Taylor out in the world um, since he stepped away from the shows. And I just feel like it is important to reiterate that it's not our business. Um, I know it's hard because we do love Kelly Severide and we love Taylor on the show, but we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Someone can be out and about and out of town or whatever. And that doesn't mean that everything that he stepped away for has been resolved. And we don't know that. And yeah, Taylor may never come back at this point. He may come back in the end of next year. He may come back in the beginning of next year. We don't know, but they don't owe us anything in terms of a comment on why Taylor stepped away or when he's coming back. And I just feel like I've seen a lot of chatter, people being like, it's bullshit. They like, why don't we know at this? And I'm like, we don't know. It's not our business. It's it's really not. And I just think that's really important to reiterate during this whole conversation. All of that. All of that. Behind every single one of our favorite characters, there is a human being who brings us said favorite character. Yeah. They have really cool jobs, but at the end of the day, they are still human beings just like us, just like you. They don't owe us anything. They've got real lives just like we all do. They have real problems just like we all do. They don't owe us anything. And I think at some point, I don't think it's going to happen this year, obviously. I think at some point, whether Taylor's, is Taylor still taking a leave of absence or he's decided he's stepping away or he's decided to come back. I do think at some point, NBC, the people behind Chicago Fire, I think there will be a comment made at some point. But I think that's going to be more of like a leading into season 12, what's going to happen. Like, I don't think we're going to, we're not going to hear that anytime soon. Nor do I, like I said, I don't think we're, you know, I mean, if they're not ready to make a comment, they're not ready to make a comment. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. If they don't, like, because they don't, they may not know. Like, Taylor may not know. The shows may not. I mean, we, we just don't know. And that's okay, too. But it's at this point, it, they don't owe us anything. Nope. They just don't. Nope. So, yes, we miss what, him. But yeah, I'm excited that Jesse's coming back, too. And remember what we said at the outset when they first announced that Taylor was leaving? The number one thing we said this whole time has been grace. Grace, grace, grace. Yeah. For everyone involved. Yeah. It's a really tricky. I mean, granted, we don't know anything. But I'm sure it. For someone to take a leave of absence in the middle of their job, it's a very hard decision. It's probably not one that was made easily. And obviously it was made in the middle of the season. So that throws everything else off and for a loop. And I think, and I granted, we don't know this for sure, but I think a lot of what they've done is like kind of just get through season 11. Like, okay, we don't know what's happening. And like, okay, we just got to kind of get through it now. And then like, for everything, I think we'll talk about it maybe even later too with like in regards to Stella, but like, okay, let's get through season 11 and kind of figure out what's going to happen during the off season. And then we can reconvene and like actually have time to put thought and things into storylines and all that stuff. Right. But right. that's hard to do when you're on the clock and under pressure and have to basically like rewrite everything. <laughs> And not only are you on the clock and under pressure, but for months, this like the threat of a strike has been looming out yeah. there for months. Yeah. 
So they're going through a lot right now in Hollywood. And I know a lot of people might be inclined to be like, oh, Hollywood, boo hoo. But no, they they struggle just like the rest of us do. Yeah, I just like I said, I just I've seen a lot of chatter people being like, oh, well, Taylor's out and about. He's fine. You know, why is he back? And I'm like, we don't know. Yes, he made one appearance that we saw in Austin. Okay. That's one time we've seen him out in the couple months since that he's been like on. February. Yeah. Yep. So could be anything. Yeah. Grace, 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 Grace. Yeah. But take us yeah. through the next one, please. All right. We've got the last of the episode descriptions for the season. And I'm like, it went so fast. Yeah. I'm like, where did the time go? I feel like we just got our premiere ones. All right, so penultimate descriptions. So episodes 21, um, meds is called, might feel like it's time for a change. It says, as Jack Dayton prepares to launch OR 2.0's IPO, Marcel and Grace search for data that may put a wrench in his plans. Charles helps a schizophrenic patient who is anxious about prom. Asher clashes with Abrams when his wife becomes her patient. Interesting. Okay. This sentence here about Marcel and Grace. So they search for data that may put a wrench in his plans. So Grace is going to flip. Yeah, I guess after this, because it seems like right now she's kind of on Team Jack. It's got to happen next week then. Yeah, or like the end of next week, beginning of 21. Ooh, I wonder. I wonder what's going to make her flip. Well, and I'll be curious to see her conversation with Will, because obviously she's mad at Will because she thinks Will kind of went like, cowboy and you know which we'll talk about it when we get there but um yeah also i'm really curious about this asher and abram story like with abram's wife becoming asher's patient i think that's going to be really interesting too yeah because abram's is such an expert in his field is he going to respect hannah's expertise when it comes to that yeah well just like abram's and his wife dynamic is just I'm fascinated. Yeah. So Yeah. Interesting yeah. stuff. Fire's penultimate is called Change of Plans. Carver deals with the fallout of his arrest. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brett searches for closure with the baby she rescued, and Cap weasels his way into the Firehouse 51 group chat. Where do we start with this? <laughs> so much. Okay, let's just start with the first sentence. Harvard's getting arrested? How? What? 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 Who, what why, when? Where? Why? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny because we all thought prior to yesterday's episode that they were like, oh, yeah, something's going to happen after he has that whole medical issue and he's going to then get in a fight or something and get arrested and now that didn't happen and i'm like i'm so confused i mean it could still happen next week now that we're on it's this gotta happen next week when else is he getting arrested well no but uh, let me rephrase I, I he could still go rogue and get in some sort of fight over the whole treasurer thing with these companies who knows true it true. could be anything i I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping it's not something really stupid where like you know, he like challenges somebody's authority on a call and they arrest him for a complete bullshit reason. I'm kind of hoping it is something where he got himself in trouble. Is that bad? Well, and it'd be, I think what I'm more interested in is because like, again, we'll talk about it more later, but this week was actually the first week I was really felt like Carver, I mean, granted, he didn't have like a ton going on, but I actually was like, 
feeling like Carver really fit in and like I can really see the growth and how he went from this like kind of stone cold asshole who didn't want to be friends with anyone who like this week actually felt like when he said oh no they're my family or whatever that line is when he's in the hospital bed I was like oh yeah like I actually felt that from him this week Mm -hmm. and like so I'm like okay Carver's changed like he is becoming like a change it's taken all season for me to get there but like I feel like it's coming so now if he ends up in some kind of fight and then gets arrested I'm gonna be like oh well that was like one step forward two steps back and that's the thing they've been doing with him all season that's been so maddening you're like okay he's part of 51 now no he just like told off his lieutenant that was dumb but it's been like two or three episodes now where I'm like okay like we're we're in the like Carver's heading you know his trajectory is upward and so I feel like if we end up for like a really stupid reason for this arrest then I'm just gonna be like really really but I don't I mean I don't know what I would accept for him being arrested but I mean unless it was like defending someone at 51 you know something like that then sure but I don't know I'm a little disappointed to see that Cap is the one who gets left out of the 51 group chat. I would have never guessed want, that. Who would you want left out of the 51 group? Who do you think would have been left out? It's not who I would want. It's who just who I would, yeah. would expect. Yes. Carver. <laughs> He's the new guy. He just never got added in. So Carver got added before Cap. That's kind of hysterical. <laughs> Well, okay, you always see the memes go around where they're like, you know, every friend group has the separate group chat. And, you know, if, you know, if, if your friend group doesn't, then like, sorry, you know, you're the one they're leaving out. I I never, I never, I, I always thought Cap would be, Cap was cool enough to be part of the group chat. Okay, I guess which, you won't be here when we discuss this episode. So I'm going to ahead and ask you now. Do you think that when Firehouse 51, like every time someone leaves, you know, 51 or gets added to 51, like, is there another group chat happening? Like, for example, like when Emily Foster was added, obviously she gets added to the 51 group chat. But when Mm -hmm. she leaves, do they, does she like leave that group chat or did 51 just start a whole other new group chat when like Mackie then came in? I mean, is it like the same continuous group chat or is it like a new chat with most of the same people and then the new people every time someone new comes to 51. I feel so bad for like every original character and their phone because like like Cruz for example yeah. he must have like 20 different iterations of the group chat. That's what I'm saying. Is there like 20 different iterations or do they just say like okay yeah Foster you got kicked out now you gotta go. Bye. Well that's not to say they probably do start a new version but it's probably not the kind of thing where like, oh, okay, Emily left. So now we have to just stop that one altogether. Like, you know, some people still keep that one going to keep Emily in the loop. That's even worse. Yeah. That's even worse. You've got, I'm like, do they name it Firehouse 51 number two? Like, what do they name them? Uh, yeah. I mean, these are all great questions. <laughs> these I'll are be all very, great questions. I hope these questions, these are my hard burning questions. I need answered in this episode. <laughs> They probably have some goofy name for it that's an inside joke, like our ATX group chat with all of our friends. Yeah. I was in the car with Noah last week or whatever, and it came up on, like, I usually don't have my phone connected to the Bluetooth, but we were in, like, one of our newer trucks, and it's got one of those, like, big fancy screens on it, and the ATX group chat was going off, and he (laughs) was like, what? is this and I was like don't worry about it it's fine was it reading the messages or was it reading the chat no it was just it was just like the name popped up of the chat which 
I mean, because in the chat, it was like something super mundane. It wasn't like yeah. the chat was the problem. It was just the name. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt Chat's got a funny name. Um, the po- I mean, the pod squad is just the pod squad. Uh, nothing yeah. earth shattering there. But they probably have goofy names for all of them. Yeah. But like, I just didn't think Cap would be the one excluded from the group chat. I guess we'll find out why. I know. There's got to be like a hundred different group chats going around that firehouse. It's going to be great. So good. Well, and then, so the last part of this, Brett searching for closure with this baby she rescues. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of speculation about this. So much speculation. Given the finale description, which we'll talk about, but. Yeah. 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 But I feel like they can't, like, it's implying that she's going to adopt the baby. But, like, if they go that route, I can't help but just sit there and be like, again? Yeah. Well, we can discuss when we get to the fire finale description. But, yeah. 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 Um, so Petey's penultimate is called New Life. It says, Taurus finds himself in the midst of a murder case that hits close to home and threatens to expose his troubled past. As he struggles to reconcile his old life with his new one, Voight keeps a watchful eye. The Torres episode. I just love Torres episodes. They are very good. They're really good. So is this going to end with like, is this going to be one of those episodes that maybe like they resolve the case with like 15 minutes to spare and then it pivots into the Bex that takes us into the finale? No. Interesting. I think they're just going to have the episode and then... they may midge i think if they do anything to set up the finale it'll be like oh ruzik's with samantha you know blah blah Mm -hmm. blah and like make a comment about why he's not in a scene or something like that because oh he's with samantha and richard or whatever yeah Um, i could see them doing something like that but i don't think they'll end the episode early just like that just isn't pd style that much anymore so no true yeah true yeah um those are the penultimates and then that takes us into finale week yeah finale week which is may 24th so the med finale this is called does one door close and another one open shocking information threatens jack dayton's surgery and the future of or 2.0 archer goes rogue to save a patient in need and maggie questions her future at med do you want to know what the first thing i saw that wasn't in this description what there's no mention of Sean Archer giving a kidney. Donating I mean, a kidney. What if the patient in need is Sean? But what's Archer gonna go rogue to? I mean, I feel like they would have said to save his son. Like I feel like they would have said because we all know that Archer or that Sean now is donating. We all know that. That's not a secret. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting because we all thought Sean Archer death trope and we could still be right i don't know we, but I, we could we could i'm not saying steven did post a picture not too long ago with i think it was like a picture of a peta in the hospital or something it was something like sort of advertisement that he posted a picture of like one of those fake ones but he was in a hospital gown so something's coming we just don't know what yeah but also jack dayton surgery so jack's gonna go down with some sort of problem apparently board members are dropping like flies yeah do you think i mean again we'll talk about it when we also get the episode but do you think maggie's actually leaving i don't know i feel like 
it's going to go either way, but I feel like they're leaving it open so that if Marlene needs to leave, you know, for her health reasons, I feel like they're leaving it open so that like, depending on how that goes, they can then kind of decide. Yeah, I got a couple DMs today from listeners asking about that. Like, is Maggie leaving? What's she doing? What's she doing? We just don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I think if if it is her choice to leave, it could very well be because of her health. Well, um, and I feel like that's probably the reason why she's not been like, it, there's definitely been episodes without Maggie, Um, you know, a couple episodes this season. And I'm pretty sure that's probably why. So like, it's just, it was the first thing that popped in my head is that, you know, I'm sure that's part of it. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything. That's just me making a guess. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I wasn't worried about a surprise deadline article popping up until this very moment. And now I'm like, oh no, we're in that time of the year where like <laughs> it could happen where it just pops up and it's like, these people are leaving the Chicago's. And I'm like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> Never forget the couple times we've gotten those just early no. too. And I'm just like, no. Yeah. Did somebody order a ton of bricks? Because here they are. Yeah. Oof. Take us through fire. All right. Fire is called Red Waterfall because that's not. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, Brett waits for life-changing news. Herman encounters a psychic with a grave warning on a call. Kid finds a new lead on the Homeland Security case. So fun stuff, guys. Featuring Jesse Spencer. Yeah, featuring Jesse Spencer. Okay, Brett waits for life-changing news. So she's, okay, so she waits for it. She's got to be adopting this baby, right? Or trying to. Where does Casey factor in all this? Well, so then that's where a lot of people keep talking about. A lot of people are like, okay, well, Kara's going to, you know, Brett's going to adopt this baby. They're going to use it as Kara's exit, you know, Jet or Jesse, I keep wanting to call him Jesse. Matt is like, you know, in this space as we saw him in 18, he's like, do I come home? Like he's in this kind of questioning the next phase of his life. So I think a lot of people are hoping that like Jesse's coming back basically to go then right off with Brett into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Which like, as a Brettsy fan, I'm like, yeah, duh, of course I want that. But also as like, a Brett fan I'm like no like I don't want like I don't want more people to leave so I'm like Kara don't leave character exits suck they do they absolutely suck especially when you think that we might lose Taylor going into next season too yeah but just like all the after all the character exits we've had this season too like and I get it this is what happens with long-running shows I get it but it also doesn't make them any easier but quite literally everything with Kara is speculation Yes, no, a thousand percent. We there have is no nothing concrete about Kara, Kara Brett could adopt a baby and still be working at fifty one, mm-hmm. which would be great to see. I would, I would actually really enjoy that storyline because we never get to see working mothers on these shows on fire. We do now on PD. Yes, now on PD yeah. and Ned. Well, we had Natalie, um, yeah, but not anymore. So fire would definitely be really interesting if if. Kara indeed exits, which again, speculation. speculation, nothing concrete at all. I mean, that's a really great exit if she's able to go off into the sunset with the man she truly loves instead of the and who loves who her. She's, yeah, the magician who she's trying to convince herself she's into. Yeah, yeah. we will discuss we'll that later. That. We'll talk about it. That would be a really fitting exit. 
if it's the case. It may not be the case. No, and we have no idea. And obviously, in the next three episodes, we'll we'll have an idea of where next week. I think we'll even have a better idea of where this is actually going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just lots of speculation. Twitter the last week has been a wonderful place. I say that very sarcastically. Oh yeah, Twitter's been lit for sure. Yeah. Also, Stella finding a lead on the Homeland Security case. Does that mean we're not? culminating the season with some sort of terror attack well i also just wonder so is that the reason like she finds a lead and then she calls casey and that's why casey like yes the brett stuff is great and like it'll happen while he's there but also like i wonder if that's i'm sure that's why he comes back right yeah maybe i don't know like i said i really thought that I figured that he would still play a part in this Homeland Security case, but I thought it would be like Stella calling Casey on the phone for advice. And then we would maybe hear Jesse Spencer being like, Stella, you know what to do, blah, blah, you know, like that kind of stuff. But I don't know. We just don't know. We do not know. And also this Herman, the psychic, like warning. I um, Herman would run into a psychic. He would, but I'm just a no. grave warning. Like that doesn't sound great either. No, no. We've um, done this before, you guys. Though we might be stressed the hell out, but we've done this before. I'm curious. Do you think Derek has only written one episode this season, and it was the episode we won't talk about? Yes, 11:03. Do you think he wrote this finale or no? Oh, that's a great question. Because usually he writes like somewhere between like three and five episodes a season you know he always writes the finale though and he always writes the finale but given that he only wrote one episode this year and obviously he's kind of done with his duties with wolf Mm -hmm. um do you think he was like no andrea it's time to hand it to you and gary or was he like no this is my final swan song and i'm gonna write it i Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I I don't know. Not to say that I don't love a good Derek finale. I love how terrible they are in making us second guess everything we know. But like I not hope is a weird word to use, but I wonder if he was like, no, at this point, it's Andrea's show mm-hmm. that like. I'm not going to be here next year. So like, yeah, I'll give my input and maybe I'll write a scene or something, but like it's Andrea's, you know, to then kind of take into next season. So I don't know. I'd be curious to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is so up in the air right now. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings us to the PD finale. Yes. This is going to be a night of like emotional trauma. Just we all know that. Right? I love how we clear. were like a few weeks ago. We were like oh, the finales, and now I'm like it's that time of year where I'm like I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not feeling the stress as badly at this very moment. Talk to me in like a couple weeks, but I'm not stressed. I'm never stressed about med. I'm not stressed about med. Maybe I should be, but I'm not stressed about med. I'm not even that stressed about PD because I think we all. If you're on Twitter, I think you kind of know what's going know what's going down yeah fire i'm low-key stressed about because 
fire, I feel like could be, depending on what the cliffhanger is, if it is this having to do with Homeland Security, I feel like it could end up being like a season five, season seven type cliffhanger where like a lot of people are in danger. And uh, that just gives me like anxiety already. I can see that. Yeah. But so the PD finale is called A Better Place. As Richard Beck's timeline for a deadly attack moves up and Samantha panics, Ruzik and the team scramble to get ahead of unprecedented disaster. So this description is pretty much exactly what we all thought it would be. Yeah, a shit show. A shit Featuring show. the backs. Yeah, with the backs. I think everybody is, I think we're all about like 90% certain that Adam's getting shot at some point in this episode. By who, by, you know, we don't know, but we all have some pretty strong guesses. Um, Yeah. 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 It could be any of the backs. Yeah. One, two, or three. One, two, or three. Yep. It very well could be. Yeah. But they wouldn't yeah. pull some sort of fake out. This is really dark, but they wouldn't pull some sort of fake out where like Adam's in a horrible position and he has to shoot Callum, would they? No, I think he's getting shot. Adam's getting shot. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I can definitely see it being by Callum, but. I, oh, I don't yeah. think Adam shoots Callum. That would be that would be that would be, I, that would be like not only traumatic for Adam, but I think traumatic for the fans. And I think even though we all love Adam, I think that would be and are not really that pro the Bex. I think that would be really hard for him to come back from. Oh yeah, not even just for Adam as the character, but just us as fans rooting for Adam next year. I think that would be really hard for that. I I really hope it's not. Yeah, and if you're listening and you're like, Jesus, Gina, that was dark. Flashpoint did that kind of an episode, okay? It wasn't like a small child, but like they did an episode what? where, one, yeah, one of the episodes had to shoot. So that's what I have to look forward to this summer? She was 18, in all fairness, but she was young. Uh, okay, I thought you were talking about like a 10-year-old or something. No, not like a 10-year-old. Not that but... 18's any better, but yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, it's different. So it's just because it's just I've seen it before. Uh yeah, we're all about 95% sure Adam's getting shot. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not stressed about the finales yet, but talk to me in a couple weeks. Like next week. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, the group chat's basically going to fill up with messages from me periodically being like, but they wouldn't kill so-and-so, right? Like, this is our May the- stress. Yeah. Our yeah. Tip- like, May stress is just, Yeah finale stress is just next level i'm so glad tv line doesn't do the scorecard anymore i kind of miss the scorecard though sometimes not gonna lie i mean it's great when there's shows that you don't watch because then you can look at the other people's drama and be like i'm glad it's not us but yeah. then there was that year that like i think the year of the mattress fire when under like possible fatalities fire was like eight of them it was like literally all of them oh yeah yeah <laughs> So buckle up. It is that time of the year. Yeah. And there's a writer strike happening. So totally it's smooth sailing. May. Everything's great. Yeah. May. Everything's great. What a time. Although <laughs> the only thing I am looking, I am really looking forward to our finale episode, obviously featuring our friend, Jimmy Nicholas. It's that's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be really fun. And it is confirmed. It is. I mean, it's been in the works for a really long time, but it is the day, the time it is confirmed. That is confirmed. Yes. Jimmy's coming on the pod and we're going to have a blast. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm looking forward to that. Anytime we get to hang with Jimmy is a good one. Yeah. It's even better that it was his idea. So yeah. Yeah. So great. So yeah. All right. That's all the news we've got. As always, if you see something, send it to us. We really appreciate it. You know, a lot of times we'll say, yeah, we've seen it, but a lot of times we don't. So really helps us out. Thank you. We appreciate that. Before we start the episodes, let's move into some patron shout outs. We've got two this week. We've got two. Okay. Hillary English, welcome to the fam. You've already joined the Facebook group. Glad you're there. Welcome. Yep. And Jean Getz, I think I said that right. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yay. Thank you guys for joining. Once again, if you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you can head to the link in our socials. Just kind of click around. There's our link. It opens the Linktree page. Click on Patreon. See which tier is best for you. And then, you know, join, sign in, do all of that stuff. We cannot let you into the Facebook group until we have that email from Patreon saying that, hey, new patron, meet this person. So the Facebook group is really the best part. Yeah, there's always fun conversations, lots of watch parties, I feel like, planned for hiatus. Um, I know I'm excited for the West Wing. They might even go into the fall. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, but yeah, lots of fun things. I... You know, Gene and I are always throwing down ideas of what we can do. So lots of yeah. fun things coming. Our so. patrons are the best. We love them so much. So yes. yeah, check the link in our socials. All right. Without further ado, it's time to move into the episodes, shall we? Let's do it. Alrighty. Starting off with Med. What happening this one? Yeah, I like this episode. It was good. It was good. All right. We're going to start off with Archer. He got the first scene. That's what we're doing. <laughs> So Sean drops by because don't don't forget we ended the last episode with Hannah telling Sean, hey, this is what's going on with your dad. So Sean drops by. Question. I feel like we need to discuss how much is Archer's place costs. This is our very favorite game. How literally I tweeted last night. I was like, this is the first thing on my mind. How much Mm -hmm. does this place cost? It's a very nice place, which I mean, you know. I expect nothing less from these one Chicago people, but still. I feel like we've done this before on a property like that. And like, I would be willing to guess that's like a two, $3 million home. Probably. Yeah. Cause it's, it's pretty sweet. If Haley and Jay's condo or whatever that was, was like what a million probably. And it was only one floor that we know of. Yeah. Then yeah. I could definitely see it being like $2 million. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, Sean drops by and it goes about as well as you'd think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Arch is just like, you don't want to get into this. Like, this is not your burden to bear. You don't want to do this. And Sean's just like, no, but I do though. Yeah. So basically we get to the hospital. Archer's patient has a stem cell disease. But then, side note, her daughter passes out. So there's two different things going on at the same time. So yeah, Archer's patient has a stem cell disease. The daughter pass out, passes out. The daughter passes out because she's pregnant. So Hannah takes care of that. Um, and then we find out, we basically find out that it's an ectopic pregnancy. It's a pregnancy outside of the uterus. But this entire time, like Dean just decides to act like a seventh grader. He spends the whole episode just being a seventh grader. Uh, so the daughter's got the pregnancy issue. The mom has pneumonia, but she's more concerned with the daughter. And so Archer takes this as the perfect time to 
mansplain and be a jerk. What's the status of Kira Ray? Still working her up. Yeah, well, her mother would like to be looped in. Well, when I have something to report, if Kira gives the okay, I'll share it. Oh, so now you're concerned about confidentiality, huh? You do realize that Kira is a minor and Kimberly has the legal right to know her daughter's health status? I'm not aware of the issues surrounding my patient, whom you are not treating. I always feel like, especially this season, like I try to find the moments where I'm like, yeah, he's being a jerk, but Archie's really, and I like this, it's just really hard. Like, I still love him. And like, I appreciate the fact that by the end, he kind of, he hasn't apologized to Hannah, but he's at least come around, which we'll get there to the Sean stuff. But I'm like, dude, like, I get it. You're in your feelings. You're having a moment and that's okay. But you don't have to be a giant, complete asshole to everyone else around you. Right. You've got to stop taking it out on other people. I get it. He was, and listen, I'm not, I, I don't think it, def- it is a good excuse for how he acted, but I understand that he is really hurt by Hannah and like what Hannah did because he told her, he said, don't tell Sean. He's like, I will tell him when I'm ready or whatever. He's like, I won't tell him, but he's like, I want to do it. Like, and then Hannah was like, nope, I think Sean needs to know. And Hannah went behind his back and told Sean. So I do understand him being mad and hurt by what Hannah did. And I think that is a completely valid, I think you have, he has every right to be mad at Hannah, but that doesn't mean you then have to go be an asshole to her as well. When you're trying to work on a family together in a professional setting. That, that you are a grown ass man, sir. You have no business walking around this hospital, just throwing out passive aggression at everybody. Yeah. Like I understand he's mad at Hannah. I get it. I, I really do get, I, and I understand why he's mad at Hannah. But that doesn't mean when you're trying to treat a mother and daughter that you can't, like, you're just going to keep throwing jabs and, you know, everything else. Like, that's not cool either. No, not at all. Not at all. So, So, again, Kira's got an ectopic pregnancy. It's outside the uterus. She basically, we find out she got pregnant hoping that the baby would be a stem cell match for the mom. That's why she got pregnant was to have a baby that could be a match because she's not. That's wild to think about. I mean, not wild in that people think like that, because I obviously I know a lot of people think like that, but it's just it's wild to think that a girl so young is trying to take on that responsibility and, you know, save her mom's life. Like, that's wild to me. Right. Like she's a teenager and she still has like she's still, you know, is rational enough to have that idea of like, well, if I have a baby, this could solve it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is a topic, which usually, I mean, that's, that's dangerous, like really dangerous. And so the girl asked, she's like, okay, well, wait, like, can we at least wait till the baby's viable? Cause the baby's only 20 weeks right now. If we have the surgery, the baby will die. Can we wait? And so Hannah doesn't really say yes, but she doesn't say no either, which all the ectopic pregnancies I've seen on TV and like heard Make it about. Seem like it's an emergency. You've got to do it like right that second. But it, it is an emergency. No, that's what I'm saying. But they all make, they all say like, it's an emergency. It's an emergency. Like you have no choice. Like basically within the next few hours, like. Yeah. That, that's it. Like I, yeah, I thought Hannah would have been like, no, you've got to go like basically now. Um, yeah. And so and that's actually, kill you. Like, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really surprising. Yeah. I was like, shouldn't she have a little bit more urgency? Mm-hmm. I thought we're just, so. We're just going to chill. Okay. Uh, so 
Dr. Archer continues just to act like a seventh grade girl and he's just kind of kicking her while she's down. And so Hannah is just like, look, the pregnancy's a topic. This is what's going on. She wants to wait. And Archer's like, that's just morally repugnant. She may as well be an organ harvester. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, and so then at one point, Hannah's like, the pregnancy gives her medical emancipation. I don't I think that's consistent with anything we've seen in the past. No, unless everything else is wrong. But, and like, maybe I, maybe this is just my own, per- like, I just feel like even if that is the case, like, I don't, how is that right? Like, she's not technically emancipated. Like, I just, because what, she's having a baby means she doesn't get to tell, you know, she's still, she still has parents who are still her legal, gu- you know, still her guardians, like, I, I don't know. That seems a little weird to me. Personally. That doesn't seem consistent. I feel like we've seen other episodes where somebody's come in pregnant and been like, don't tell my parents. And they've been like, oh, I have to. Right. Because you're under 18. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Well, and like, so I don't know. I just feel like that just doesn't sound right. But what do we know? <laughs> We're not doctors. We just watch a lot of TV. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the ectopic pregnancy does exactly what ectopic pregnancies do, you know? Yeah. So at that point, Archer takes it upon himself to tell the mom. And then, okay, telling the mom is one thing. Rubbing Hannah's nose in it the way he does is a whole other beast. I thought you should hear that for yourself. I cannot believe you told her. What about HIPAA? Her daughter is heading into emergency surgery. If there's a crisis and a decision needs to be made, it's Kimberly who'll do it. Dude. Yeah. 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 That moment of just like, I thought you should hear that for yourself. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Again, this was not handled correctly. No, I would, I like, Hannah has gone out of her way to help you time and time again this season. Despite all of the bullshit, despite the drug test you put her through, despite all the times you didn't trust her judgment, all of that, she's gone out of her way to be there for you and help you. And that's how you're going to talk to her. What again, you have every right. He has every right to be mad at her. I, I'm not, he, he's mad at her. And I think yeah. that's, he has every right to be mad at her, but you don't have to act like this. No. Just because you're mad at her. Right. Right. It's fucked. It's just. I mean, I've talked about it before. I'm not a fan of making excuses for people. So, you know, if he, and if, if I'm Hannah and he just keeps being an asshole to me, I'm just going to back off. But Hannah's a better person than me. So, uh, yeah, he rubs her nose in it. But then Hannah eventually gets hers because at the end, you know, everything works out fine. And Hannah's like, dude, she got really lucky. And Archer's like, yeah, I know. Like Kira could have died. And she's like, no, I'm talking about the mom and you know how unbelievably she lucky she is to have a daughter willing to make such a generous act of love. It's always my favorite moment at the end of the episode where like whatever character, you know, it's like insert character here realizes that the patient's, you know, issues reflect their real life. And it's like, oh, the light bulb moment. Like I love those moments at the end of the episode. So when this one happened, I was like, yeah. It was right there the entire time. Sean loves you. Sean wants to donate. Sean's not even a minor. This is his decision. If he wants to, do it. Yeah. So it ends with Archer talking to Sean and just saying, you know, if you're a match, if this all pans out, I won't say no. Yeah. 
So, Dean's getting a kidney. Dean's getting a kidney. Yeah. And hopefully, like, an attitude adjustment. When things make you angry, you don't have to be passive-aggressive about it. Yeah. But, yeah. We will see. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Dr. Charles. Mm-hmm. With a surprise guest appearance. Mm-hmm. That was wonderful. Take it away. All right. So episode starts and Liliana finds Dr. Charles to tell him that she got the house, which is very excited. He's very exciting news. He's very excited for her. And so she's like, to celebrate, we're going to have dinner later with her brother, Pavo. Did I say that right? I guess so. I think so. Pavo probably sounds better with an accent, but so, which in Dr. Charles is like, okay, cool. But they interrupted because he gets a patient. Um, I literally can't remember the patient's name. I'm it's like, Aiden. it's Daniel. It's Aiden. Aiden. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I just want to call him Daniel. And I'm like, that's not right. It's okay. <laughs> I wanted to call the sister Inara. Yeah. Also not right. Yeah. Um, but so, but of course, so the patient has requested to see a psychiatrist because, well, what he gets brought to the ED for is basically just a messed up shoulder. He got hit by a car. He's going to be fine in that regard. But they've asked to see a psychiatrist because he has apparently been hearing voices. So Dr. Charles goes in and, oh, look, it's Daniel Durant. Yeah. If you don't know who that is, he started in the movie Coda, which won Best Picture, not this past year, but I think the year before. But also, we know him because he was on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. Yes. He was my favorite last year. Not only was he on Dancing with the Stars, but he's now dating his partner, Britt Benet. And they're like the cutest couple on earth. Ugh. I mean, they were cute in the season and like they did some of my favorite dances last year, but like they're so cute I die. they're so cute I every die. single video they post we're just like stop it you're being so adorable right now yeah like i said i loved him during the season i thought he did really great but yeah yeah he popped up so i was literally i was driving when you texted me yesterday and the you you had sent the link to the instagram but it didn't pop up so all i saw was all caps omg daniel's on med tonight so when i saw that i was like Daniel Kyrie's crossing over. Okay, cool. Like, nice. Uh, and then I sit down to watch the episode. And I'm like, oh, that Daniel. Okay, okay. Different Daniel. Cool. Yeah. What well, is even cooler? Because, like, so the woman who plays Aiden's sister is Colleen Foy, who, like you just referenced, played Inara on Station 19. So it was just like when I saw the picture of the two of them on Instagram, I was like, okay, two of my faves. Okay, we're done. Like, so Matt already we- wins tonight. Did Jack and Inara break up? Yeah. She hasn't been on in a while. Aww. Jack had a thing with someone else, and then Jack went into a dark place, and now he's out of the dark place, and he's got family. And it's just, it's a whole, Jack's got a whole lot going on. He's got a whole thing. Okay. Last I remember, he had hooked up with Theo's wife, and then Theo died. Not Theo's wife. Not, okay, no, Theo's the other guy. Okay, so it wasn't Theo. It was the guy filling in. Yeah. I can't remember who he was filling in for, though. Yeah. Okay. So Inara's not around. That's a bummer, but like also, okay. Um, cool that she's on med. Yeah, it was cool. It was just so when I saw the picture of them, though, I was like, okay, med's already winning the guest star game tonight. I'm done. Like, we're cool. The whole episode, I was like, I know her. I know her. Yeah, a lot of people said that, but I, I, I think it's very cool, and it's really cool 
I mean, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think Colleen, if she's not fluent herself in ASL, she's obviously knows a lot of ASL because obviously Inara was definitely the character she played on station 19 was definitely fluent in ASL because of Marcus, her son. Mm -hmm. Um, So she did ASL on station 19 and now she's doing it on med. And I just thought that was very cool. Yeah. Really cool. So anyway, we had our little Daniel Durant sidetrack sidebar, which we knew was going to happen. Let's be real. Um, But anyway, like we said, Aiden is hearing voices and the sister, I don't know her name. That's escaping me at this Inara. point. <laughs> Inara, yeah. Um, she's really concerned. So it's starting to look like schizophrenia. Makes sense. Um, and Dr. Charles is explaining to the risks, or he thinks he's explaining the risks of letting the voices stay. And it basically Aiden seems like he's like, okay, like I'll try the medication. And, you know, it seems to be like going very swimmingly. And it's like, okay, this is a little too easy until it's not because so they give him the medication. Obviously, the sister is the one interpreting the, of course, whoever the ASL interpreter for med has COVID. So there is no like unbiased interpreter. It's just the sister. So Everything seems to be going great. Dr. Charles, you know, gives Aiden the first round of medicine and Aiden seems, thinks he's agreeing to one thing. Dr. Charles is like, cool, I got his permission. This is great. Until Aiden starts freaking out because the voices are gone. So Maggie's now in the ED and Dr. Charles grabs Maggie and is like, hey, can you tell me what does this mean in ASL? And Maggie's like, well, you know, it means this. And basically now Dr. Charles is starting to realize that he thought that Aiden had consented to painkillers when he actually didn't. And so Aiden is really upset because what he thought he was getting was just some like Motrin or whatever. And in fact, what he instead got was the medicine to start, you know, for schizophrenia. So he's really mad because... He wanted to keep the voices, and now he doesn't have them anymore. Um, So it causes a huge rift between Aiden and the sister, and the sister's like, well, I'm not going to sit around and just basically watch you suffer like this. So Dr. Charles goes and finds the sister outside, and, you know, she really just doesn't want her brother to suffer. She went through some mental health stuff and really fought to get out of that place and she just really doesn't want him to end up like her um and yeah so it ends up being you know all good but um some of these scenes with daniel they were just really hard to watch he's such a good actor though he's really good he's always been i remember watching him back on switch to birth mm-hmm. which is obviously and also another show that deals with you know, deaf people and asl and all and even then, I remember watching him some of his stuff, and I was like, damn, like, he's really good. He's and in really Coda, he's actor. really good. Coda, he's really good. Um, Yeah, he's really good. I haven't seen Coda yet. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. That's good to know. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, But yeah, so it was just, it was really, again, just, we love Daniel. And so it was just really a treat to, like, have him pop up on Ned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but the storyline ends though. So Dr. Charles goes to the dinner with Liliana and her brother. And Liliana's brother is a sketch. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he's like basically keeps trying to ask Dr. Charles about like the cases that he works. And Dr. Charles is like, well, I can't tell you anything because, you know, HIPAA. And he's like, but really, like, what'd you do today? Like, what kind of, cre-? and he's like, I can't tell you. Like, again, HIPAA. He straight uh, up says, he's like, so did you work with any crazy people today? And Dr. Charles is like, I don't really like that word. Yeah, me either. Not a great word. Um, But yeah. And I like, it kind of to me seemed like the brother came out of nowhere so like are we gonna get more storylines with the brother like is that where this is going like yeah okay so i yeah i it was weird at the end i mean they're not just gonna they're not gonna like one and done it right it was weird so they're gonna come back to it but But it's also like we've got three episodes left in the season like is that enough time to really come back to it with everything else we've got to get through in these next three episodes I think they could because I feel like they're setting up something. This was my worry. And this goes back to something on third watch from a million years ago. I'm worried now that like Liliana's relationship with Dr. Charles was like, not, not necessarily a scam, but like she had some sort of ulterior motive. That's what I'm worried about. And I'm Mm. worried that her brother was like kind of the facilitator there. Oh, that's going to hurt if that's really what happens. No, it's going to hurt like hell. Ooh, I hope not. But like, for what reason? Who like, knows? What? No, like, no offense to Dr. Charles, but like, what do they want with Dr. Charles? Maybe his money? Um, yeah, I guess. We don't know her immigration status. There could be some sort of play there if she wants to get her green card or something. Just, mm. I could be completely off base here. But the brother was really sketch. And if I have to find a motive for it, just that's theories. Interesting. They're going to come back to it, though. There's no way that. The, yeah, just, I feel like, like they're going to come back to it. Sketch. I guess my concern is that, like, they, like I said, they have so much stuff to stuff into these next three episodes. Yeah. That, like, is it going to be done to justice? Because I feel like it could just get thrown under the rug at that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, the brother, the brother gave me the ick. Mm-hmm. Big time. Big time. So after that, we've got Kai and Crockett. Kai's back. Yeah, that was nice. Kai, who I've completely changed my tune on now. I don't know if it's because, you know, we had Devin on, but I've like completely changed my tune on No, him. I think he's come over. I mean, you know, there's definitely been some growth there. I think we were just, you know, talking about it with Lila. Like, you know, there's been growth, I think, with all the interns this year yeah Um, which is really nice to see for sure for sure um so we start the episode and crockett is talking to all the interns just got them in a room that's great and everything and so crockett's like welcome back kai like we're so glad you're back this is great and he's like cool let's go get to work and as they stand up we hear another fart sound it's not kai this time though one of his asshole colleagues has a whoopee cushion and is trying to prank him that's so like fifth grade oh it's so fifth grade and if they were in fifth grade and they were teenagers or something it would be funny but since they're doctors it's just kind of dickish but even like at that point like we literally had like one fart reference and i was like okay i'm already done oh man i was like the fart jokes are already old okay well that i disagree with fart jokes never get old i think they're always hilarious but I did feel bad for him when he basically stood up and that happened. I was like, no, Kai, no. I was like, oh, poor guy. Uh, so, yeah, he's just 
there, yeah, he he is indeed still the fart doctor. I feel so bad for him. Um, thank God for Crockett though, because like he's the adult in the room. He's just basically like, did you guys get that out of your system? Great, now pull it together. Yeah, like moving forward. Um, oh man, yeah, I felt so bad for Kai. So. Kai's basically having a crisis of confidence, which is not what I expected. I didn't think he was. I, I thought he would go back to being Kai, just no problem. I no, I, I, but I like seeing that he had a crisis, which sounds terrible. Though. I like seeing that he had a crisis of confidence, but I think it just makes him more human, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, thousand percent. Thousand percent. No. So they get a patient who was shot trying to stop a bank robbery. And so, you know, Crockett's taking Kai through the motions and Kai's just not completely sure of himself. You know, usually he's really arrogant and he's like, that was right. I know that was right. That was great. And so like at one point he's checking the wound and he gets like sprayed in the face, like full blast with blood. And so he's just, yeah, he's just doubting himself. And Crockett was like, what the hell was that? Like, you know better than that. And he's like, sorry, crisis, you know, just I'm off my game, it's cool. But then later on, he's a little too honest with the patient. What was that? Just answering his question. No, you were raising the patient's stress level unnecessarily. He needed to be informed. Things happen in surgery. Why would anything go wrong? For any number of reasons, I don't know. Is this about the teasing? It's what about the teasing? All right, look. You've been lording over Liam and the other residents for almost a year now. You had to assume they'd try to knock you down a peg if they found a vulnerability and, well, you gift wrapped them a doozy. Whatever, it happened. Proves you're human. Laugh it off and don't let them get to I'm you. I'm not letting them get to me. <sighs> Maybe it's best if I set this one out. I'm sorry. Don't have the manpower to spare. Poor baby. I feel so bad for him. Yeah. I mean, not also the right move. Like, he shouldn't have said that to the patient. But still, I mean, we, I understand why he said it. Yeah, I think he's just, his brain's in survival mode, so he's just sticking yeah. to exactly what he knows is right. He's going back to a safe spot, space between not being the complete asshole he was in the beginning of the season, but also not being, like, completely vulnerable and empathetic either. Yeah. He's kind of in that safe space. Yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for him. So they're in the OR, they're doing their thing, and Crockett gets pulled from surgery for an emergency, air quotes, emergency. But it's really just so he can watch Kai on the feed because Crockett is just like all knowing and he's like, I'll, I'll fix this. No worries. So he has Kai finish the surgery. And of course, Kai pulls it off. No problem. Yeah. And so at the end, basically, Crockett's like, I checked the board and Dr. Abrams was in OR 2.0. So like, it wasn't you. And he just goes, I know you're lying to me, but I'm appreciative nonetheless. So Crockett yeah. helped Kai get his groove back. We love to see it. We love to see it. Do we get to see um, Kai again before the finale, you think? Or before the end of the Ooh, year? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for him. But I I mean, Crockett said exactly what needed to be said. Like, you know, they found a vulnerability. You gave them a doozy, but move on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ugh, Kai. Yeah, I've softened on him big time. I'm like, he's not an asshole anymore. We love him. We love all the interns. Oh, yeah. No, all the interns are fantastic. Which, by the way, go listen to our interview with Lila at the end of this because she was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the Kai situation. Mm-hmm. Last up, we've got what I titled as the battle for Chicago Med. Yep. There's Goodwin. There's Will. There's Grace. There's Jack. Maggie. There's 
Maggie, big old battle here. So take it away, Brenna. All right. So we start off and Will and Grace, of course, are having a lovely debate between lovers about the pros and cons of going for profit. I'm just saying it's not as cut and dry as you make it sound. Well, we're a hospital. We're entrusted with saving lives. I don't see how turning a profit even comes into it. Advanced technology costs money, Will. For-profit hospitals are able to provide better services, state-of-the-art diagnostics. While gouging the average Joe who just needs a chest x-ray and some antibiotics. I'm not saying it's a panacea, Will. I'm just saying money is not the root of all evil. It's like I'm dating Gordon Gecko. Why do I get the feeling like I'm sleeping with the enemy? You know, like, Grace is being a little ignorant here. I mean, I keep trying to think about the fact that, like, she... To remember the fact that she was hired by Jack Dayton and, you know... She very much still comes from that all technology background. And so like, while she may not be like a hundred percent pro going profit, I think she's very much on, not on Jack's side, but, but like she, you know, he brought her in for a very specific role that may or may not exist if Jack isn't, you know, if Jack's plan still doesn't go accordingly. Is she so blinded by the numbers and technology, though, that she does not care about, you know, your your uninsured person who needs medical help? I don't even know if it's that she doesn't care. I just don't even think she realizes. She's got the blinders up. Yeah. Like, not that she doesn't care, because I think we've started to see that once she learns more, she's starting to open up and become more empathetic to those cases, to those people. Mm -hmm. I just think she truly just doesn't even understand because she's one of those people who's just been in a lab this whole you know because she's like very much just a lab person like she's not she doesn't really have any people skills yeah that's true you know so yeah anyway so you've got will and grace talking about pros and cons but meanwhile on the other side of the hospital you've got goodwin and george meeting with vernon who's one of the board members who basically is going to be the deciding vote and they're trying to convince them, obviously, to go to their side, um, which I do think is funny, though, that, like, George has become so such on Goodwin's side, considering the fact that, like, Jack is the one who just brought him on the board. So you would think that George would be on Jack's side, but Jack and George is like, uh, no. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Which I guess makes sense, considering he was a doctor, but <laughs> still. So... At this point, it seems like Vernon's going to be on their side. So they're like, great. You know, Jack needs a two-thirds majority. He won't have that. Like, we're fine. You know, Med won't go for profit this way. But so it's fine until Vernon gets dizzy while he's talking with them. And he's got a splitting headache. And so they bring him down to the ED. They get him checked out. And he seizes, like, while Will is working on him. So obviously, Vernon is not okay. Nope. And yeah, so Goodwin, of course, is down in the ED and she's got a lot going on and Maggie comes in and Maggie is very dressed up. Marlene looks amazing, as always. Oh, yeah. Flawless. Um, and Goodwin's like, oh, what are you all dressed up for? And Maggie's like, well, I had to get my driver's license taken. And it's like, girl, nobody. I mean, like, yeah, you want to look nice for your driver's license photo because you have to live with it for so long. But you don't have to get that dressed up. 
No, the last time I took a new photo, the only reason I was like decent looking is because I had to go into the office right after. But like, I would definitely look the way I look right now with my hair up in a bun. Oh, Nobody see, gets that dressed. The opposite. I have had, I literally just got my photo taken, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, back in March, maybe. Mm-hmm. And because it's the first one I will have taken since I got my permit when I was, and I got my permit late. So I was 17 mm-hmm. and I hate that photo with a burning pat. I hated that photo. I was ready for that photo to go. So I was like, if I have to look at this photo for the next seven, eight years, at least I was like, I want it to be a decent one. And I'm very happy with my photo. So I definitely like straightened my hair before I went. And, but it was, I was wearing jeans and a sweater. Like I was not wearing like some super fancy dress and heels or a, no, none of that. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody puts a dress on to go to the DMV. No, because they don't see it. No. Even if you are getting the photo taken, you don't see it. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But anyway, so again, Goodwin's in the ED to try to figure out what's going on with Vernon. And basically they confirmed that he's got a non-cancerous tumor in his brain. And so they obviously have to figure out what to do. And his wife, though, doesn't want to proceed with the surgery. Um. But of course, this is all happening and simultaneously at the same time, the board vote is going on and it's not going to slow down the board vote. Um, And, you know, there's even Jack didn't make his fortune by not taking advantage of opportunities. No, he did it because he's just a demonic man who won't let anything get in his way. Yeah, he's he's overtaken by corporate greed. Yeah. Yeah. And so Goodwin even says at one point she tells Will to just make sure that Vernon gets the care he needs, which is like true. And she means it as, you know, like a doc, you know, to, from a former nurse to a doctor. But it's also, I think, like subconsciously, like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like basically kind of like, you know what's going on, but do what we got to do to like. Uh, see, I didn't take it that way. I didn't take it that way at all. I took that as Goodwin saying like, if you get preoccupied by this, I know you will Halstead and you're going to fuck things up. So don't do that and just focus on being a doctor. I think you could take it either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But because then Will is like, okay, no. So like something I think has to spur Will into being. So Will's like, okay, I'm going to go to Grace and I'm going to get her opinion on 2.0 and I'm going to get Grace into this. And so we can get Vernon into, you know, basically going with the surgery. Um, he does exactly what the patient needs. Yes. But so you don't, so you don't think at all subconsciously even that like, Will know, because Will, I think at this point knows, if I remember correctly, Will knows that Vernon is basically the vote. I mean, I, I, you could make the argument that subconsciously he was thinking that, but also from an unbiased standpoint, if you take the step back and you look at the situation it's detrimental to the patient if he doesn't go with 2.0. No, I definitely agree with that. So anyway, so I have more to say, but I'll wait till we get to the Grace Will scene mm-hmm. at the end. But so, yeah, so basically Grace, you know, they basically are able to convince Vernon's wife to okay the surgery. Um, And but you've even got George saying like, you know, they're obviously, they all know, well, Jack knows and George and Goodwin know that, like, Vernon is the deciding vote. And so it's going to be crucial whether he shows up to this board vote or not. So even George says, like, well, how long until he wakes up for anesthesia? And it's like, nobody knows. Like, 
The surgery takes as long as it's going to take. Not only does nobody know, but do you fully expect this man to just like wake up from anesthesia and like jump out of bed and perform a musical number? He just had his brain operated on. You really think immediately after the surgery, he's going to have the capacity to be like, I want to vote. Yeah. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. So anyway and like even good ones face at one point like she's not thrilled but you know it's like you can't have it both ways you can't save vernon's life which he needs 2.0 to do and like also be mad that they're using 2.0 even though it's one of jack's ideas like 2.0 is now part of the hospital like yes it came from jack and sure you can have feelings about that but like you're either using it or you're not do either of them, Goodwin or Jack, does either of them actually care about Vernon? Or are they just preoccupied well, with the Jack, vote? Jack, uh, Jack, Jack. Mm. But, you know, because, like, Vernon's been on the board, or he even says at one point, like, 20-something years. So, Goodwin, I, you know, obviously he and Goodwin are friends. Like, I think Goodwin does care. But I think she also knows that, because her job is, obviously, what's best for Med. And I think she's just also so concerned about what Med's going to turn into if Vernon isn't there to vote, you know, no. Because if Vernon's not there, then Jack wins automatically. They really have to have Vernon, like, the vote postponed so that Vernon can vote. Because if Vernon doesn't just doesn't show up, then, like, Jack wins. I guess it's a good thing they needed him then because otherwise they might have just let him die. I don't think Goodwin would have, I mean, like, I don't think they would have let him die, you know, but yeah. The whole thing is, ugh. but so Maggie looks at it. So later on, we still got this Maggie stuff going on. She's looking at a text from someone named Val while she's in the E, but like, we'll get to that in two seconds. And then you've got this Jack Will Grace exchange that happens after Vern- Vernon's surgery is successful. And so, you know, Jack's, of course, waiting for them in the hallway to find out what's going on, how long it's going to take for him to get out of anesthesia, all that stuff. And yeah. So again, obviously, Jack cares about Vernon being able to vote. And then this. Jack seems awfully interested in Vernon's recovery time. Pretty sure it's about the board meeting later. He's probably sweating now that Vernon might be able to vote against him. Vernon's a deciding vote. That, that's what I hear. You aware of that when you urged me to get involved? I heard rumors of you acting like a cowboy. That's not what happened today. I came to you out of the concern for the patient. Who are you trying to convince with that, me or you? Okay, so my question for you was, do you think that Will went, as like Grace puts it, like went cowboy, basically, and was trying to do what will does normally does or do you think she's wrong she's completely wrong he and and i i almost like kind of cackled when she was like i know you have a tendency to go cowboy oh honey in the grand scheme of all the shit will halstead has done this is on the very bottom of the list yeah like the very bottom of the list i think she's completely wrong because at the end of the day will and will's going road days are kind of gone now too he doesn't really do that anymore not as much no no he's he always advocates for the patient I don't think he had any sort of intention to influence the board meeting I think he looked out for Vernon and it just so happened to work in the board's favor yeah I think you could argue that subconsciously he knew you know 
given all the conversation, you know, Goodwin has been pretty good about, I think, saying, Will, don't worry about it, but also like, hey, here's what's going on. And I think maybe subconsciously he knew, but I don't think he was like, okay, Vernon's like, this is what we're going to do because Vernon's the board vote. I think he would have suggested the same course of action, even if it went against their interest. And he would have been forthcoming with Goodwin about that. He would have said, look, this, you know, is going to enable Jack to get the winning vote, but, you know, it's either this or something bad happens to him. I think he would have gone with the same course of action regardless. Yeah. I did think it was interesting, though, that, like, Grace not only knew about his reputation, but also kind of called him out on it because... She has no room to do that. You just got here. Stay in your lane. Yeah. So, again, Vernon, he's doing okay. You know, woke up from surgery and they're like, oh, well, so you basically, they're like, he makes the decision. He's like, I'm not ready to get out of bed yet, but I will zoom into the board meeting. Did he just, like, take a power nap? Yeah, I know. If you told me I needed to get on a Zoom meeting, like, an hour, basically, after I had major brain surgery, there's no way. Like... I had surgery like eight years ago. It was not on my brain, but like I slept for like the majority of the day. If I was going to jump on a Zoom and make a vote, it wouldn't have been until like late that afternoon. Yeah. No. So Goodwin and Will are basically just waiting outside the board meeting. And Maggie comes by and she comes clean about why she's been so weird, why she was dressed up. Basically, she's so fed up with med, especially after last episode that she was like fuck it I'm gonna meet with the headhunter and she you know now she's kind of regretting it but she's basically like well this is where I'm at if we're gonna go for profit then I don't know if I can be here anymore all valid concerns yeah and I don't know if I can say I blame her no me neither me neither so Sharon's like don't worry it's gonna be fine like we have the votes but plot twist they don't you don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> You're gonna need congressional approval and you don't have the votes. But yeah, basically this, I mean, Will did a great thing in saving Vernon's life, but basically Vernon was so impressed by how OR 2.0 saved his life that he's like, yeah, more science, which is great. And Vernon's point is right that like, more scientific advancements and more technology can help more people. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yes, I will support anything that will do this. And, but, you know. Yeah. So that's where it we're backfired. at. Yeah. But I, and, and, and they zoom in on Will's face and you can tell he's just like, shit. But mm-hmm. Will did exactly what Goodwin told him to do. Worry about your patient. And again, if it had gone in the other favor, if if operating in 2.0 would have given Jack the win, Will still would have done it because it was the right thing to do for the patient. Yeah. There's nothing he could do. But also my question too is in this whole thing of being for profit and advancements and everything, why does this have to be an either or? Why is it we only go for profit and help super rich people or? Well, especially from people like Jack Dayton has bukus of money. Oh yeah. Like I get it. Yes. Making money is very nice. Like, I'm not going to say that it's not, Mm -hmm. but like, think of all the things and the ways you can make more money outside the hospital, but like using your science for good in the hospital. And then you can, do you want to sell the machinery yourself? Like you can do other things outside the hospital based on what's happening inside the hospital. You don't have to make what's happening inside the hospital, the profit. Right. 
Right. And like you said, Jack's got enough money that he could make this an and instead of an either or if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yep. that's just why. Yeah. Why is it an either or? Why can't you help both the rich and the poor patients? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. But yet again, they've done a great job of setting up this argument this season and and showing the dilemma. They've done a they've really, done a really good job. job of making me hate Jack Dayton more and more each episode. That too. That too. Like <laughs> I don't think I can hate him more. And then he does. I'm like, a motherfucker, you need to get off my screen. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy how like like Will was being a little passive aggressive when Jack was like, Well, that's so funny that the wife changed her mind. And Will's like, it's pretty common. Happens more often than you think. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's med. Yeah. Solid that episode. Yeah. Pretty solid. Moving into fire. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, lots of, yeah, questions everywhere. Uh, but good episode, all in all. So, um, Brian, start us off with Gallo. Okay. So I love that. First of all, I love the Gallo storyline. I thought it was great. I love, I love seeing Gallo like circle back finally to the cinnamon roll. Like we fell in love with in the early seasons of his, you know, appearances. Like I love this so much. I forgot that like at his core, he was just a little cinnamon roll that we loved. I I totally forgot about that side of him. I really thought, honestly, Gina, though, I thought you were going to go into this and be like, eh, Gallo, I'm still not into it. Like, because you've been so, I mean, me too, to an extent. But like, we've just been so annoyed with Gallo and the way he's acting. You know, he kind of went into his like moody teenager phase or whatever we're calling it. But like, it just felt so good to have like our little cinnamon roll back. Yeah, it really did. And this did not go the way I was expecting it to. I really thought that he was going to evaluate the situation and be like, you know what? It's probably not good for me. To Which is also my life. fine. I yeah. mean, that, if he had gone that way, like, I think everyone would have understood because yeah. he's been through some shit. But I am, I, yeah, I don't think I expected it to end the way that it did. Uh, but yeah. So this episode picks up literally right where we left off, you know, Gallo's Aunt Lacey's in the car accident, you know, drunk with the drunk driver. Gallo gets some people basically from the street to help him get the guy and her out. They get, you know, of course, it's one of those situations where the driver is basically walks away with a few scrapes and the passenger is, you know, basically left fighting for their lives. Don't drink and drive people ever. Don't ever, drink and drive. Get ever, an Uber. Ever, ever, ever walk home. Whatever you got to do, do not drink and drive. You guys, as a, I, I practiced criminal law for a brief minute, and I can tell you in my area, a DWI, even if it's like your first one, it can cost you up to like $20,000. Nobody's got that sitting around. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't no. do that. So anyway, so Gallo's decided he's like, basically, I can't sit, you know, by myself. He's like, I'm going to go to work for some distractions. Um, and Carver finds Gallo sitting in his car before shift. And like, Gallo hadn't even made it in yet. So like, no one had had a chance to really like, check in on him. But I love that Gav- Carver saw Gallo sitting in his car and was like, I'm going to check in on you and like, make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. Like, not saying that I'm like, totally there yet. But like, I kind the Carver Gallo friendship is interesting. I'm not like opposed to it. Does 
absolutely nothing for me. Would it, so it doesn't do anything? It's it's it exists. Interesting. Just I've gone into like I've 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 gone into like deeper analysis on this, like with our friend group. I'm gonna save it from the pod because I think if I share the full rant, I will get tomatoes thrown at me. Um, but I I'm not a fan. It just they do nothing for me. Interesting. I felt I felt it more and more. I was just glad, like that someone was like check actually checking in with Gallo. Although I mean everyone did. It was just mm-hmm. but Carver saw Gallo sitting in his car and was like, dude, like, are you okay? And Gallo, of course, is worried because you know that Lacey falling off the wagon was his fault. And Carver's like, no, 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 like it's not your fault. First of all, like you had every right to say what you said, like. Your fe- I love that Carver is just like, your feelings are valid and, mm-hmm. you know, it's not your fault because Gallo needed to hear that. Big time. And Carver is, Carver is a very good friend to Gallo. I will say that. It's just, they're, they're. No, I didn't say they're not like my new, like BFF mm-hmm. thing. I just have, I, in the last like episode or two, I have enjoyed seeing that friendship develop. Mm-hmm. But no, are they going to overtake like Gallo and Ritter or anything? Like, no, they're Never. not. No, no. We're not there yet. Um, so Gallo goes to check on Lacey while they're at the hospital checking on Carver and Lacey's awake. She's alive. Like, I mean, she's still pretty banged up, but like all things given, you know. And, you know, she sees him in his uniform and she's just like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I wish your mom could see you. Like, she would be so proud. And, you know, just a nice little moment. Um. So Gallo, though, runs into Dr. Charles on his way out, which I feel like we very rarely get to see Dr. Charles, like, do the crossovers on the other shows. And so it's always just, it was just, I love this little crossover. Yeah, same. Um, And he asks Gallo about his aunt. And, you know, of course, his aunt is concerned about her sobriety, you know, so she wants to tough out the pain. She's basically, like, not taking meds, you know, none of that. And Dr. Charles mentions that, like, he might want to ask Lacey if she'd be comfortable with Gallo giving her his med, giving her his the meds, because, you know, he's a trained medic and her nephew. And so, like, it may help Lacey feel more comfortable with taking them. So Gallo goes to Violet for advice once he gets back to 51. And she basically kind of echoes the same thing. She's like, the best thing you can do is come up for a, with a plan with Lacey and just basically support her. So at the end of shift, Gallo asked Violet for her help with something. And so she's helping him get his apartment ready for Lacey to come home to. And Violet notices, though, that, like, something's just not quite right with Gallo and asks him what's up. Hey, what's that look about? Um, it doesn't take a psychiatrist to uh, know why I'm in this line of work. Pretty much spent my whole life trying to go back and save my sister. No, it's delusional. I know. I I can't help it, but... The other night, when I pulled Lacey out of that car, that was the first save I've ever felt. Like, even just a little bit. Like, wow, redemption. So I'm I'm not sure if if I'm doing this for her or if it's for me. It doesn't matter why you're doing it. This is a kindness that could change the whole trajectory of her life. I hadn't really thought, like, when Gallo said all of that and, like, was talking about how, you know, he's worried that he's helping Lacey for selfish reasons. 
I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective. So I thought it was really interesting that that's where he ended up coming from with this whole thing. And that's what he was feeling. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting that, you know, the, the feeling he's been after his entire life was trying to make up for not being able to save his sister. And he finally felt a little bit of that, you know, yeah. pulling her out of the car. That's big. That's well, and really the fact big. That, I mean, he's not a new, fi- I mean, yes, he is a newer firefighter, but he's been at this for a couple of years now. So yeah. yeah, that's really big. And, and yeah, I mean, Violet's spun on, you know, if his motivations might be selfish, but he's doing something that's really going to help her. Right. You can so, both win, even yeah. though, yes, technically you're being a little selfish, but like you can both win from it. So it's okay. This is huge for him. This is really big, like a lot of vulnerability coming from him mm-hmm. and a lot of growth that can, that can result from this. Yeah, for sure. I like, I, I just, I love the story. I thought this was very well done. Well, and I'm, so, really, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost kind of like proud of him for the vulnerability, right? Because yeah. that's a big risk, right? Your aunt just came back into your life after causing all of this grief in the past. And that can be something really big to let her back in your life. Never mind, let her sleep in your bed. And yeah. he's just completely willing to do it because at the end of the day, she's still family. But the thing is, though, is I don't think the gallo of like a year ago or a year and a half ago, like I don't think the gallo of that time could do this. Like, I think Gallo had to go through everything he went through. I mean, granted, more that was on the friend side, not the family side. But Gallo had to go through everything he went through for him to be at this point. Like Gallo in season 10, early season 10, like isn't doing this, I don't think. I could see that. And I would all I would also add to that and say, I think ever since, like, I mean, he's been lonely now for a solid, like full season, full season and yeah. a half now. So it's really good for him to, you know, be open to this kind of change, but also that he now has the, he now has the opportunity to have some family back in his life. Yeah. Which is something, something he's, he's been missing never... the majority of his life. Yeah. He hasn't had since he was 10 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he goes back to the hospital to talk to Lacey about her plan for when she gets out and what he's envisioning. And he's like, you know, I want to be there to support you. And she, you know, she doesn't at the end of the day want to be a burden to him. And he even says, he's like, you're not a burden to me, your family, which again, that's something Gallo hasn't had in a, for a majority of his life. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah. that's really big for him be, for him to be so open to letting it back into his life. Yeah. Well, and even just compared to 18, when he was so hesitant to let her back in. Yeah. You know, because in the beginning she shows up and he's like, where have you been for the last 20, you know, or 15, 20 years? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I needed you then. And, you know, she says at that point she wasn't ready for, you know, to be needed. But, yeah, the fact that he's even willing at this point to let her back in when 18, he wasn't. Um, so, Gallo, you know, Gallo's feeling good about the plan and he's like, okay. So he goes back to the hospital later on and finds out that Lacey's already been discharged and his heart in that moment just like breaks and he's left so confused. He is confused AF. And so he's sitting around his apartment later that night, basically like in the dark, just like drinking beer. Well, the beer he wishes he had because he got rid of it all. And, you know, watch TV and there's a knock at his door and Lacey shows up with an armful of groceries and she's like, well, I didn't want to show up empty handed. Um, 
and they have this hug and like Gallo's smile when he's hug- like it's so precious I'm like Gallo my little son oh he's back our little ray of sunshine is back does that mean we can use the gallo teletubby uh meme again yes yeah i hope this sticks like i feel like i feel good about it yeah i i hope so he deserves some good in his life and like I'm glad that they decided to go with this storyline with the aunt and letting her back in because it reminds us that at the end of the day, Gallo has always been just a little, little precious bean. Yeah. And you know, the past like season and a half has been like a momentary detour. Yeah. Well, even just beyond that, I'm glad to see that, like, like we said, you know, earlier, like that Gallo had that, you know, he's not truly been alone in this world. Like, yes, Lacey wasn't ready to be basically his guardian, you know, mm-hmm. back then, but you know, he has family again. I mean, granted, he's always had the 51 family, but he has actual blood family again. Um, and I'm just so happy for him because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Big so. stuff. Yeah. So we had some listener thoughts on this one. Um, Heather B said, Gallo's storyline this week was amazing to see. Not only because we see him feel like he has closure, but because of the Vallo friendship without trying to reignite the ship. And I feel like it shows him growing up a little to take care of his aunt. Also, since it doesn't really fit anywhere else, Carver saying the members of Truck were his family when they stopped by med made me so happy. He's come so far this season, which makes me curious about his upcoming arrest. More about that in a bit. Yeah. 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 So... After that, we've got Brett. Okay. Like, I feel like I have a hot take on this one. Just say, because I don't know if it's going to be that much of a hot take. I didn't like this as a comedic story. Like, it was no. it was fine. But I feel like you're completely underutilizing Sylvie and Kara. The only thing it proved to me is that... Brett and Malcher are very underrated bro TP. We've known that. That's what he said. They're just very underrated. Yeah. But that's the only thing it showed me again. It was like, oh yeah, Brett and Malch, like that is a great duo. And yeah, it wasn't funny. No, it wasn't funny. And like, you've got this, you've got Brett who is this woman who can take the world by storm. And you're telling, you literally spent the whole episode with her trying to get down a card trick. Well, and the whole thing, too, is, like, where we last saw Brett at the end of 18, she's basically in agony because she knows deep down that she's still in love with Matt, but she's got Dylan. And I don't understand, and granted, I don't think every woman's storyline should be revolved around a man. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But that's where you literally left her out in 18. So you're telling me that Brett's just, like, fine now. She's back still dating Dylan. I mean, she makes one comment to Violet about, um, also, I just realized that We've said Violet a couple times and we didn't do our fuck Hawkins for life. Yeah. Like I just realized that now. So there's our, there's our Hawkins for life. Anyway, (laughs) side note, but anyway, like she makes the one comment to Violet about like Hurricane Hurricane Matt blowing through and her finding her footing. But like, why aren't we seeing her finding her footing? Like I, it, it just frustrates me that like, they tell us this stuff and then it's like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm happy with Dylan. It's like, no, you're not. And that's okay. 
it's okay to be like still in love with your ex-boyfriend that's okay that's fine. but like it's just like being pa- like okay yeah i'm happy with dylan he's great it's like no you're not but they've they've pinned her into this corner where she's only happy if she's with a man well, she's been pinned into that corner for a very long time. A I really think, long. That's not fair, guys. Like, that's not fair to Kara. That's not fair to Sylvie. You can be plenty happy as a woman in this world without a man. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think her whole storyline needs to be revolved around a man. But right now, you literally in 18 set her up in this inter- at least a semi-interesting dynamic of like, I'm still in love with my ex. What do I do? And like, I wish I would have rather watched her freak out more about that being like, okay, yeah. Matt just blew into town. I'm, I'm a Matt. Like I'm, you know, I thought I was okay. I thought I could move on. I thought Dylan was going to be like, we had this whole, like, I would rather see that than watch this and her pretend to be okay. The longer they shove Dylan down our throats, the more of a disservice they're doing to both Sylvia and Kara two is like if you're gonna shove someone down our throats that's not matt okay fine but like you could do more interesting things for kara and benefit kara and sylvie if you made this new boyfriend more interesting and more dynamic and it's just not like dylan does like i try to think about it if like if we had, like, back when Brett was with Granger before she got with Matt, like, if we had someone like a Granger in this situation, I think, I think, one, Brett would still be in love with Matt, so, like, that part wouldn't change. But, like, if it was at least someone like a Granger who, by himself, is very charismatic and interesting, and, like, there was a reason people were saying, no, Granger should stick around, like... I just, I think that would do at least a little bit more to the storyline, but it doesn't help that Dylan is just bland and there's nothing interesting about him. Nothing. Not one thing. He is a white sheet of paper. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I get it. In the beginning, I understand they were trying to have the whole Hawkins connection, but like, we didn't need that for 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. Give me the one blind date. Okay. Yeah. It went great. Or no, you can even have it in a disaster and like, cool. You honored Evan's wishes. You went out on a date with his friend. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Dylan shows up at the firehouse to talk to Brett and they try to flirt. It's awful. Um, yeah, he just, uh, no. He's no, just not I'm great. sure Dylan, no, I'm sure Dylan is a fine gentleman. He just, Sylvia is not the woman for him. I feel like, Wait, I don't even know who plays Dylan, but this is obviously no shade towards the actor who plays Dylan. Like, I'm sure he's lovely, uh, you know, but like, this has nothing to do with him. It's just Dylan as a character, not great. No, no. So Dylan's brother is taking him to Vegas for the weekend and he needs someone to do his magic show over the weekend. So he taps Sylvie. And Sylvie's like, yeah, absolutely the fuck not. She's like, I'll Uh, cancel it for you. Yeah. And he convinces her to do it. He's like, you know all the tricks. Like, you perform actual miracles every day on the job. Like, I'm like, gag me. Like, that's so... uh." Oh, my God. He's so annoying. So, again, Brett... Brett, She spends the whole episode just freaking out about the magic show. Mm -hmm. And so... 
at one point she's like Viol- violet's just like oh hawkins for life sorry um violet just mentioned she's like you could just facetime dylan and have him teach her one teach you one of the tricks and she mentions and she's like we could use the space and she's like what and she's like i'm still kind of finding my footing after hurricane matt blew through I feel like that deserved more than just one passing sentence. That's what I'm saying. That would have been granted. Again, we don't need everything Sylvie revolved around a man, but I'm just saying Sylvie in a tizzy over like, which we saw in 18 a little bit, but like she literally walked off crying from Mm -hmm. Molly's at the end of the episode in 18 and now she's fine. And I just don't believe that she's fine. No. I would have rather watched that than this. Big time, big time. So Brett and Mouch, they leave a paramedicine patient and Brett's just like, God, I should not have agreed to this magic show, whatever. And Mouch is just like, here's everything you're doing wrong with this trick, which like, I feel like we already knew Mouch knew magic or is this just new? Who knows? Mouch does like 20 bajillion things. Mouch is a renaissance man, dude. He He really is. He really is. Yeah, Mouch knows everything about everything. Uh. Yeah, so Mouch is like, this is what you're doing wrong with the trick. And so Sylvie's like, you have got to do this with me. And he's like, no. And she finally convinces him. And we get like the biggest smile we've seen out of Sylvie in forever. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we get to the magic show. It is awful. Complete Um, fail. Complete fail. Complete fail. Um, Until Mouch takes over, which like... But we're also not, we we skipped over when she's prepping and uh, she she gets Gallo to do the trick. And then she's like, Cap, Cap, wait, let me try it one more time. Yeah. And Cap like walks in and immediately walks out. Oh, so Cap funny. has like dealing with none of it. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. Hilarious. But yeah, they get to the magic show. There's like a floating milk trick that I've never heard of that like makes absolutely no sense. But then she goes to do the trick and Mouch is so nervous that he basically tells the kids, he's like, so this, this ogre named Gorsh came and put this curse on Sylvie, which like, so funny with the Gorsh reference. That's gotta be a Derek thing. That's like Derek's one contribution since the episode we will never talk about. That was really Um, funny. I was just dying. I was like, they had to get one last Gorsh mention for Derek so good so um he's like yeah if she doesn't get the trick right everybody's gonna get candy well sylvie gets the trick right so the kids don't get candy so the whole thing ends with the kids booing them yeah oh okay like Mm -hmm. cool there's way more to women than men and children just and again it's like you have mouch and sylvie which is a great dynamic duo there's so much there within their relationship. Obviously, there they were once trying to write a romance novel. They're running paramedicine. Like, even if you're just going to go Sylvie and Mouch, like, there's so much in that you could explore mm-hmm. um, with their friendship. Like, there's just, there's so much more there. And, like. Yeah. I just. Mm. No, that's exactly what it is. I mean, Yeah. So um, one of the listener thoughts pretty much asks us about the Sylvie situation. So we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till we get there. But um, got some listener thoughts on this one. Natasha said, you know how in figure skating, sometimes in pairs or dance, they have a couple that's brother and sister. And sometimes you're watching one of their skates and think, if those were my kids, I might be suggesting it was time to find different partners because kind of it's edging on something. Dylan and Brett are the opposite of that. I'm just going to say there was more spark when she kissed Mouch's cheek. 
It's it's true though. Yeah. That's pretty funny. That's pretty yeah. I was dying when I read that. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, Heather B said Sylvia Match's storyline was just meh. Dylan's dialogue this week was nerdy to the point of almost being funny, but not because it was actually funny. I'm starting to think he was actually made from dough, like in the episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where she tries to make the perfect boyfriend and he ends up being an overenthusiastic puppy. <laughs> that is hysterical. That's an amazing reference. That's so good. That's so good. Um, who asks a person who doesn't show enough, who doesn't know magic to take over their magic show? I love Match and Sylvie storylines, but Evil Magician Gorsh was the only good thing to come out of this one. Yeah. 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 Wasn't yeah. great. So um, I just tried to see if I could find a gif of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch making her like dream boyfriend, but that's a long uh, Google. That's so good. It's so funny. That's a great reference. So Michelle T messages and she said i would like to know how you ladies feel about sylvie these days i still love her but i just hate the way they're portraying her in her relationship air quotes with dylan she seems desperate and the fact that she's stringing him along when she's clearly still in love with matt is making her look even worse it's so stupid to drag this out when all it's mainly doing is just destroying the sylvie character that all of that the way i feel about sylvie right now is i want her to be happy i want the best from her I want more from her than what they're giving us. But it's been like this, unfortunately, for a while. And like, we thought we kind of turned the corner a little bit when she got paramedicine, which was a great turn. But even then, it was like the beginning of season 10, they gave us paramedicine. Then obviously, Sylvie left to go visit Portland for a while. And then she came back and, you know, since then, she's definitely been in this holding pattern. But even before then, they're like... So much as Sylvie has always been the boys that she's been with. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, that's interesting and great. I mean, I love me some ships. I'm never going to complain about romantic storylines. But that's not all who the character should be defined as. And it's kind of why I have feelings about the Stella stuff and where we're going, you know, where that's even going. Is because I worry about what, depending on what Taylor does, like, Yes, I think Stella and I can stay together, you know, if, if they were to move, you know, Severide to Arson. But, like, at the same time, then that limits Stella so much to what she can do if she doesn't also have the room. You know, there's only so many storylines they can give her if they don't have some of them revolve around a guy, which is, like, terrible to think about. But it's also, like, I feel like if she's pigeonholed into a ship that exists off screen, then, like, that's going to limit what they do with Stella. God, Which is I a terrible to thing see... to think about, but it is my worry with that. Yeah, I, I would love to see a male character in this problem where, like, at some point they're like, oh, but, you know, part of what you do has to revolve around a woman. Like, double standards are ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but it is, it's like, I've been thinking about it a lot because of the Stella, you know, the looming Stella potential, you know, Stellaride stuff. So I've been thinking about it a lot, but yeah, it's true that, like, they basically pigeon Sylvie, and they've done this for a really long time, into just being all about the boys. Well, even on PD, they've done this with Haley, where yeah, she's pigeonholed into just brooding the whole time because her husband's gone. Yeah, and they won't, and like... Yeah, it sucks, but they won't let, you know, because she's not divorced, they're basically, they've pigeonholed her. It's the one thing I will say, it's the one good thing that, like, when Gabby and Matt broke up in season, at the end of season six, beginning of seven, and they got divorced, 
Like, yeah, sure. Would people have liked to see Gabby and Matt try to make it work off screen? Yeah. But I don't feel like by them actually getting the divorce, I feel like it allowed Matt to not be pigeonholed. Okay. Okay. So, so for taking the opposite route that because they actually went through the divorce, which I mean, granted, we've kind of moved on from Sylvia a little bit, but I'm just saying like, we're comparing it to like a stellaride, the stellaride situation or the Haley J situation. I think because they actually went through with the breakup, it allowed them to not pigeonhole Casey. So you think the difference there was the immediate divorce and not the double standard just rearing its head? Well, I think I'm sure the double standard is part of it too. I'm not going to say it's not, Mm -hmm. but I do think it's a slightly different situation if Haley and Jay were to just get divorced, like finally just say, you know, Haley was finally like, I'm done, you know, we're breaking up. Hmm. And that's what sucks about it though. But like, it's just so hard. I feel like with television shows, because so much of the show is about the drama to have a relationship that exists off screen. And that's just unfortunate. And like, because obviously we know that like relationships can be happy. Like Stellaride could be perfectly fine with Severide working at Arson and Stella at 51. They could be perfectly fine. But in television world, part of the drama that makes television interesting comes from like the shippy drama. That's just what we're watching. That's just the nature of what we're watching. And I just, I wonder, I it's just something to think about and something I've been thinking about a lot of like, do when some like one half of a ship leaves the show like what has to happen and you know yeah but I I also think I think you can look at you can look at Sylvie and Stella right now and see that they are in two completely opposite boats yeah no I no I know they're in complete opposite boats it's just because because with Sylvie right now you know they're just showing her like in denial over Matt and she's just pining over a different boy boys 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 Seb's been gone for like a month and a half now. You don't see her brooding over it. You don't see her, you know, moping about it or anything. You see, we've seen like a scene or two, but she's carrying on. She's being badass Stella. Not to say Kara's not, or Sylvie's not being, you know, Sylvie. She is. But you can see the difference between how they've pigeonholed Sylvie, but not Stella. No, they definitely haven't pigeonholed Stella. I'm thinking about more of the future of yeah. like what potentially could happen. And I think the other reason you haven't seen Stella moody and pining or whatever is she's in very different place. You know, she's married to Severide. He's supposedly only gone temporarily. Mm-hmm. And I think the other reason you haven't really seen it as much is I think they probably had to rewrite so much of Stella's stuff that they, we haven't seen a ton of her Yeah, in these last couple episodes. But again, I, it's more just in thinking about the potential future for Stella I've tried to start comparing it to what, or using Sylvie, I guess, as an example of what could happen if certain things were to happen to Stella in the future. It's just been on my mind recently. That will be the ultimate disservice if they do to Stella what they're doing to Sylvie right now. It's just been on my mind because the writing is on the wall, I think, in some ways. Well, right now it's not on any wall. It's on picket signs, but... Touche. But... (laughs) I mean, I, it's just, like I said, it's been on my mind, like, give it a season, depending on what happens with Taylor and Severide, that, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a worry that I have for Stella. And, it, you know, I've obviously worried for Sylvie. But... Everything is just so uncertain right now. Like, literally everything. Yeah. 
yeah it's crazy but I just I feel like they're doing Sylvie dirty right now like and I mean I feel like that's a really good question for like anytime we talk to these actors is like it's not something they would ever tell in an interview but like if you get the comedy storyline for a week are you are you excited about it or are you just like okay like they're just throwing me to the wolves this week Oh, but I think it's probably a nice change of pace every now and then. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you were like, unless if you're like a Christian or someone whose basically role is the comedy stuff most of the time, uh-huh. like, I can't imagine if you say, okay, this week I got the comedy storyline that like, you're mad at it. Like, I can't imagine someone's being like, I'm going to pout because I'm doing comedy this week. Like, you know, like, I can't yeah. imagine that they're mad at doing the comedy. Like if you, if you, yeah, it's like, is getting the B story, is that like drawing the short straw? That's, that's something Especially because like, about. this is an ensemble show, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, like you're gonna have moments where like, yeah, this week we're gonna talk about Carver, but yes, next week Carver's gonna be in the comedy storyline or, you know, like there are gonna be moments where everyone touches the cop. We've even seen it with Severide. I mean, granted, Severide doesn't do a ton of the comedy stuff, but like every now and then we've seen him kind of adjacent to the comedy stuff like you know it happens yeah Yeah, it happens it happens just lots of questions yeah um and then last up Devin a said i know the magic show was supposed to be the somewhat comedy storyline for the episode and matches help and optimism help and optimism was sweet but it was cringeworthy and i couldn't wait for it to be over it's so painfully obvious that sylvie is having to work so hard at this relationship so much so that it seems like a chore, not what you want your romantic relationship to be, at least in my opinion. I actually don't think she's working hard at it at all. I think she's trying to force it. Like, But I don't think she's going out of her way to be like, let's make this work. I think it's just when it happens, she's like just kind of going along with it. I think she's working hard at convincing herself she likes Dylan. Yes, but I don't think she's going out of her way to be like let's go on a date Dylan like I don't think you know I mean granted we we don't see it but I you know who knows right so I don't know it's a mystery yeah for sure so then we've got the Bowdoin Ritter storyline which I'm gonna be honest with you this to me felt like a PD episode in that I had to watch this multiple times to figure out what was going on really oh yeah oh yeah anyway yeah i was just glad i love we don't get enough of ritter kind of at the forefront so anytime we get and bowden i feel like we haven't had a ton of bowden stuff this season so like just seeing the fact of the four you know them at the forefront i was like i'll take it i love it yeah for sure for sure so 51 rolls up to this fire and someone's still inside so of course 81 goes in to do a search and Bowdoin notes that this industrial company that's next door to this building has been written up countless times for improper storage of chemicals, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so, of course, this becomes obvious to ADA1 when they notice that their arms are starting to burn. There's some kind of corrosive substance in the air. So Bowden's like, guys, get the hell out of there. Like, we're done. So Carver is getting basically, as Bowden's telling them to get out, Carver's like right at their victim that they're trying to save and but she starts like flailing and basically knocks off his mask so he gets her out of there but he ends up suffering and once he's outside and she's on the gurney he ends up collapsing um 
he's gonna be okay though it just ends up being a trachea burn which like that was just such a big fake out because obviously that's what they made the whole promo about it's literally like two seconds they always do that i know it's so stupid though and like almost every time we fall for it yeah i really thought the carver stuff because of this was going to be like such a big part of the episode and it's like not i got my episodes mixed up so as this one went on i was like wait isn't he getting arrested tonight and then it just never happened i was like okay all right yeah but I did love this moment. So they Stella, Gallo, and Mount just go to like see him in the hospital after. And the random doctor or whatever is like talking to Carver and she's like friends and he's like family. And I'm like, we've come such a long way. Took you long enough. We've made and like I actually the thing is though, it's like he's kind of said it every now and then, but like this is the first time I've really felt that he genuinely meant it. Yeah. And I was like, we've come such a long way. Yeah. I was like, Carver, finally. Like, I actually felt something towards you in this episode. I was like, finally. (laughs) I felt something other than wanting to smack you. Finally. (laughs) So, anyway, Bowden's really pissed about the whole situation. And he's like, I'm going to go to someone higher up. Basically try to, like, report the building. And, yeah. So, this guy. I couldn't figure out what department he worked for. Like, I don't think he was CFD. I could not figure it out. This is what I'm saying. There were a lot of details in here that I was like, who are you again? What are we dealing with? Like, this is the only one I couldn't figure out. But anyway, whoever this guy that Bowden went to, Bowden's talking to him. And once the guy hears the address, he's basically tells Bowden, like, shut the door. Um, So Bowden gets back to 51 and he tells everyone what he found out, which is basically that anytime that address gets investigated, it basically the situation will disappear and be resolved. Thanks to city treasurer, Don Ramsey. He's back. He's back. So Ritter, of course, starts freaking out, given obviously what happened, whatever episode that was. And he comes clean to Bowden, Herman, and Stella. He was scared I was going to rat him out. So he started keeping tabs on me, making all kinds of threats. What kind of threats? My job, my lieutenant's job. Said he'd come after the whole firehouse. And you decided to take the fate of this firehouse into your own hands. It just felt like something I had to handle one-on-one, so I did. You shouldn't have kept me in the dark. And you don't ever lie to your lieutenant. It wasn't my intention to. I was just trying not to make waves for Lieutenant Herman. He and Cindy were in the thick of it. And I just didn't want to add to his stress. Continue. Anyway, in the course of that whole mess, I got a real unvarnished look at Don Ramsey. He's a sketchy dude, a liar, a cheat, perfectly willing to use the powers of his office in a personal vendetta. The guy basically stalked me using his connections to the CFD. So he's more than willing to use his position for personal gain. That could include payouts. Ramsey has gotten a lot of ink. How he's managed to turn the city's finances around. Maybe the secret to his success is giving out illicit contracts to shady companies who cut corners like Loomis Industrial Supply. He's the city treasurer chief. I mean, how do you go after a guy like that head on? Well, maybe we need to move this up the chain. D.C. Hill's a good place to start. She is a political animal, but 
She knows right from wrong. Kylie? Call DC Hill's office, see how fast you can get her. Leading on the books. I'm on it, Chief. Okay. Dude, Bowden was mad. He real mad. He was mad. I didn't expect him to be that mad. Especially because, like, what? I mean, and he softens, obviously, once Ritter starts explaining, like, you know, listen, Herman was going through it with Cindy. Like, I was trying to protect, you know, the family. And, like, Bowden starts to soften a little bit. But I really did not expect Bowden to be that mad. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, yeah. And I'm going to be honest. Uh, the minute Ritter, like, choked on his drink and was, like, Don Ramsey the treasurer, I, I, my, like, usually my brain can recall these things immediately and be like, oh, my God. But it took me a while. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Why are we freaking out about this? Who is this guy again? And then we came back from commercial. I was like, okay, now I remember. It didn't yeah. come to me instantly. Did yeah. it take you a while to remember? No. I knew. Well, shit. I'm just well, I think you. I just knew. I didn't necessarily remember that his name was Don Ramsey. Like, that didn't, I didn't remember. But I kind of figured that, like, the only real big storyline Ritter's had this episode, this season, was fighting the politician. So when the description said something about, like, they team up to fight a politician, like, it was like, it's got to be the same guy. Especially because when he was in that episode previously, it kind of left, un- it was kind of left unfinished. So I kind of figured it was just the same guy. I just did not remember his name was Don Ramsey. And I had completely forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. So Stella mentions that maybe Bowden should try going to DC Hill about the whole thing. So he does. He tries. And she basically is just like, yeah, all I would do was file an anonymous complaint and then just forget it. And Bowden's like, no. He's like, I want an investigation. Like, I, there's no way I'm letting this go. And DC Hill's like, well, Bowden, like, you have no evidence to support. Like, at the end of the day, right now, this is all just theory. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she says, and it's true. She's like, you don't take a shot at the king unless you can kill him. Like, don't kind of go there half-assed and, like, make the situation worse for himself. Right. For yourself. So this is where it gets, starts getting a little creepy. John Ramsey, very creepy man. So Bowden is like in his neighborhood after shift, picking up some food for him and Donna and Terrence, like, you know, hanging out. And who shows up but none other than Don Ramsey. So creepy. Yeah. Doesn't live anywhere near there. He makes a mention. He's like, oh, I really like this restaurant. And it's like, okay, dude. Okay. And he's basically blackmailing Bowden without saying he's blackmailing him, but he's basically blackmailing Bowden. And he's like, yeah, I'll give your funding, to extra funding to your district. And Bowden's just like, I've got bigger concerns than budget cuts. Like the fact that someone in city government is skirting regulations and putting firefighters at risk. He's like, I'm going to take them down. And I was like, hell yes. That is what we call a subtweet in real life. But actually, though, <laughs> this whole scene. Yeah. So after this happens, Bowden has a meeting of the minds with Ritter, Herman, and Stella. And basically... They've got, they figure out, like, they need proof. And so the company that, you know, where the fire was is owned by an LLC that also owns a bunch of other companies that are all working under city contracts. So they decide to, like, split up and go check out some of the companies and see, you know, under the guise of doing inspections and just kind of see what's going on. 
So Herman and Ritter and the rest of Engine, they show up to this one company and the guy, you know, they ask about the owner and the guy working the desk is like, oh, he's not around, but his sister is. And when the sister comes out, Ritter notices that it was the woman from the episode prior that Ramsey was having an affair with. It's the mistress. Yeah. And Ritter's like, oh shit, we gotta go. And like, my favorite thing is like Herman's just like walking away and he's like this basically <laughs> the whole time with like his hand. I was just, it was really funny. Um, and she's so confused. She's like, okay. Um, but it's no coincidence that literally as soon as they get back to 51 with this information, Don Ramsey's office calls and he's like, I want to meet with Bowden. So Bowden goes to the meeting kind of reluctantly. He goes and except though it's not just Ramsey that's in the op- meeting it's like a group of people who Ramsey has told that Bowden uncovered this horrible injustice he's basically tried to spin it by being like Bowden yeah he would he's a hero he did all he found this terrible injustice and I promise I will fight for you and I will think it's just like it's total politics mm-hmm. it's the scene is total politics and, you know, Ramsey's talking this big game. He's like, because of Bowden, we're going to review all the city contracts and yada, yada, yada. And Bowden walks out and he is pissed. Bowden, I don't know what you think you're doing. I'm letting you be the hero, Bowden. You want to blow this all up? Go ahead. Make a scene. File your complaints. Try to take me down. If you think you can. But if I were you, I'd take the win. We're going to shut down all those companies, clean up the whole contract process. Isn't that what you wanted? To make the city safer. But yeah, Bowden is pissed this whole time. He is, yeah. It's getting ugly. Mm-hmm. So he shows up at Molly's later, and he and Ritter and Stellar and Herman are watching this press conference, Ramsey's press conference on TV, and... Bowden says he's like he should be in jail but instead he's doing a victory lap and so then of course DC Hill is also at Molly's which I was like okay like we've never seen her in here but I'm not mad at this I love that we're expanding it now so it's it's not just a 51 bar it's like a full-on CFD bar yeah it's a full-on CFD bar that PD and med don't show up to anymore but yeah true I digress (laughs) <laughs> I digress. I will never, I will forever die on that hill. But anyway. What season was it when they made sure to end every episode of Molly's? I miss that. That was so wholesome. I don't know. But yeah, I miss it a lot. I do miss that. Anyway, carry on. Um. So anyway, yeah, DC shows up and, you know, she was, she talking to Bowden how she's impressed with his restraint. And, you know, he keeps going on about how terrible this feeling is. And he even says, he's like, is it supposed to feel this awful? And she's like, every time. That like <laughs> playing the politics game can have its benefits, but you're playing a game at the same time. So like, yeah, it can do some good, but it also is like not always the intended consequence. And that doesn't always feel that great. So basically there's a mole in the CFD. Well, no, it's just because he has so much power. Like not that there's a mole per se, but the implication this whole ep- and even in before it was that he Ramsey has so much power and influence over people in the CFD that he can basically get what he wants. Well, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I think there's a mole in the CFD because who else would give it? Like, why would somebody give up Bowden's location? 
don't know. I, yeah, I just, I have questions here. Like, is this going to tie into the terror attacks in the finale at all? I don't think so. Who's the mole? Is it someone hiding in plain sight? Is it DC I don't Hill? Think, I don't, no, I don't think, I don't think the mole is any, like, I don't think that's the point. Like, I think the point is just that, you know, like, politics is a nasty game. Like, I don't think we're ever going to find out who the mole is. Yeah. Um, I think it's just the point that, like, obviously, Bowden is now in a place of power, or he's now in a role that comes with a lot of politics. And sometimes it can be great and you can enjoy it. And sometimes it's in a not great situation and you have to play the game. That's just part of sometimes with these positions of power that that's what comes with them. And that's what this conversation with DC Hill is talking about is that like, yeah, like it can really suck sometimes. And, you know, you have to deal with a lot of shitty people and like, yeah, they may give you what you want, but like, you also then maybe have to bend a little bit this way or that way or whatever. Like, I think that's really more the point. Yeah. He's playing with the big fish now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think there's actually a point where we're going to find out that like someone was a mole. Like, yeah, it's probably some like low level, you know, person who works at headquarters or, you know, like I'm sure he's got that Ramsey has a lot of those type people in his pocket. Um, So I don't think, I don't think he's going to have any effect on the finale or anything. Maybe I could potentially see him coming back next season in like another like uh, this guy again, you know, kind of one of those like reoccurring enemy type things. But I don't think he's going to have any effect on the finale or anything like that. Yeah. Interesting. Lots of questions. Yeah. Um, We had some listener thoughts. Heather B said, I'm probably one of the few, but I am really glad they brought back on Ramsey. Like I said, last episode he was on, the actor plays a really good villain, and I thought he was significantly underutilized last time. We also got more of Ritter, and now we get to see Bowden take on politics of the job. Something tells me the storyline is a long way from over, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, are they really going to wrap this up in one episode next week? What, this storyline? Yeah. I don't think it's coming back this season. Oh, you're right. That was the description for this week. Yeah, that was this week. Next week is the Kylie description. Oh, yeah. And then obviously we just read the last two. I think it's done for the season. I agree that I said I think it could be something they lean on again next year. But I don't think we'll see it again in like the next three episodes. Huh. Interesting. So. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Um, Natasha said, okay, the episode was fine. It was all fine, but there's something I'm getting increasingly less fine about. This thought came to my head. Remember when Stella Kid used to be a lead on the show? I get it. Things had to shift when Taylor left, and of course that impacted Stella's stories. But it's been a while now, and it just feels like they're writing her into episodes rather than writing for her. Everything she says is in service of another character or another character's plot. I'm a massive Stella Ride fan, but if possible, I'm even more of a Stella Kid fan. I want her back as the lead with or without kelly okay that's an interesting point that they're basically writing her into stuff instead of writing for her i think i will say one i I, it is an ensemble show so she's not going to be the main focus of every episode but i think more of this is a result of like rewriting episodes and having to fix like once taylor left i think they had obviously a lot of things planned out for the back whatever however many episodes it was and I think a lot of those plans shifted and I think at that point 
they probably had to come up with things and maybe they just didn't have time to write as much Stella focused stuff. Cause they were like, okay, we'll just fit Stella into here. Like, I wonder, I, I don't know this for sure, but I think a lot of it probably had to do with the shift of like when Taylor left. Mm-hmm. So I think in my opinion, it's giving the writers grace. And I would like to think that for season 12, they will have more Stella focused things, but I think, it's just unfortunately one of the casualties of Taylor's midseason exit. And it's like, and, and I mean, I feel like all of this stuff throughout the season, we've just been kind of stacking up questions that we would get clarity on at the end of the year. We may not even get that this year. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's, it sucks, but I mean, obviously I would rather the writers. It's way more important that the writers get what they need. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we've definitely had all these questions about things brewing for Andrea all year. And, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But I mean, we'll see if she gets to come on eventually, even if it's over the summer or something. But I it personally, Natasha, I just think that's more of what it is. And I could be completely wrong. But I just feel like Stella, unfortunately, was kind of a casualty in the Taylor's app, you know, and it being so last minute in the middle of a season and like them having no time to plan whatsoever. Yeah. I think it's just an unfortunate casualty. And I think it'll I think it once they have time to focus on season 12, whenever that is, whenever they go back to work and the strike is over. But I think I think it'll be righted for season 12. I really do. Yeah. I just think I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. So any other notes on fire? Nope. I'm excited. I'm, like you said, we said earlier, fire is giving me the most anxiety leading up to the finale. So yeah, I just, I mean, I don't really have any finale anxiety right now. Give I'm it like even, a week. Give it like a week. You'll yeah, get give there. it a week. I'm not even that stressed about PD at the moment. That's going to change for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before I start filling the group texts at random hours and just be like, they wouldn't kill Adam, would they? Yeah, I'm going to wake up one day to so many texts and you're going to have just this like long, like, like thesis of thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It always like, usually so happens. Like, oh, that, that always. You <laughs> like, I think more often than not, you wake up to like 2 a.m. Gina texts that are like theories on one Chicago that are like pages and pages long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's most days. Oh, goodness. All right. Let's stretch it. It's PD time. I'm actually stretching because I'm <laughs> of a certain age and things get stiff. <laughs> oh, all good. Okay, PD time. The Kevin episodes are always the most emotional gut punches. This one was so good. I mean, hard to watch and hard to stomach in some ways, but really good. What race always knocks these out of the park. It's so good. I just wish, I mean, obviously I love everyone on PD, but like, I honestly wish every episode could be a Kevin episode. Like, I just, so good. Just protect that man at all costs. But actually, though. He knocks every Outwater episode just completely out of the park. And like, these especially with like all the loose stuff, which is really interesting, which we'll get to. Like, it, they're just so good. I love that they brought Lou back for this episode. I wonder if that was always the plan or if after that first one, they were like, you know what? We've got something here. I don't know. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad they brought him back because Mm -hmm. it brings out a whole new side to Kevin. Well, yeah. And that's such an untapped thing. Like 
every time we ever talked about Kevin's family dynamic in the first nine seasons, it was always about like Jordan and Vanessa and, you know, Kevin raising them. And obviously we barely even knew anything about Lou. So I'm really glad they explored a different side of Kevin's family. Yeah. What would be really interesting if the one ideas for season 11 is to bring at least Jordan, because we've at least get Jordan references and he's showed up this season. We see him from time to time. We saw him this year briefly, but like to explore that with like Kevin having to kind of navigate reintroducing Jordan and Vanessa back into like Lou's life and that, like that would be really interesting. And how does Jordan receive Lou, right? Because when we did like the very, very, very rough math, Jordan had to be a baby. Vanessa was probably not even born yet. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the exact math, but close probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we start the episode at Kevin's building. He's coming over to do some maintenance. Why is it that when, when Kevin does maintenance, we're like, oh, he learned on YouTube. That's so cute. And when Will shows up with the toolbox, we're like, you idiot. Okay. First of all, first of all, when he makes the comment to Lou about how like you buy a building, you don't really stop fixing the most accurate thing ever. Like we own a lot of property and like the maintenance just never stops. It it never stops. You would think that like it, it never stops. And also Kevin watching YouTube videos, also the most accurate thing ever. I can't tell you how many times Noah has been able to fix something at a tenant's house and like our guys or maintenance team because of YouTube. Like <laughs> they YouTube so much. And I, I'm like, no, where'd you learn YouTube? Okay. Okay. You like, can learn anything on YouTube or TikTok. I was just, I was just dying this whole scene. It was like killing me. I was like, yes, so That's funny, really funny, so accurate. That's why, like, everybody was hating on TikTok, being like, it needs to go away. I'm like, I learned how to properly do my makeup, how to properly blow out my hair. I've learned this from TikTok, that from TikTok. You can learn anything from the internet. Uh, yes. yes. So funny. So, yeah, like, Kevin comes with the toolbox ready to fix his sink. And, you know, as a, like I said before, why is it that when Kevin shows up with the toolbox, we're like, that's so cute. And with Will, we're like, you don't know how to do anything. Yeah. I don't know. but whatever will's capable of using youtube too it's just you know i don't know it's cooler when kev does it mm-hmm. so um, lou's like okay well i can you know i can help you out if you want and kev's like no i got it don't worry about it so he's fixing the sink and he knows every single tenant in this apartment building i love it so much it's so awesome it's so cute and it's so kevin mm-hmm so good. So he's up in Miss Castillo's apartment and she's just like, yeah, hey, like I'm cooking the other, like I'm cooking tomorrow night, like come over, you know, like you gave me this awesome apartment. So of course I'm going to cook for you. Oh, it's so wholesome. Mm-hmm. So as that's happening, they hear gunshots. And so Kev's like, okay, like stay here. I got this. And as he's going down the stairs and following it, like, yeah, Lou's calling out to him and he can hear it. But as he's coming, he comes across different tenants and he like knows every single one of their names. He's like, hey, it's cool, Jamal. Hey, it's cool. So, and so like go into your apartment. Every single one of them, he knows. Good landlord. So good. Mm -hmm. So he follows Lou's voice all the way down to the basement and he finds this little boy Malik who has been shot. And so they can't wait for the Ambo. So they basically take him upstairs and out to meet the Ambo and his mom's freaking out, all of that. So intelligence, of course, rolls up. They start questioning everyone, but nobody knows anything. Nobody's saying a word. So he goes up to Miss Castillo's apartment 
And she basically just gives him this lead of like, there was a kid who ran across the street with a red jacket and a bag. And so Kevin goes to Lou and kind of gets the scoop there that like Lou has kind of been like not working with, but he's kind of been like tasking the little boys around the neighborhood with like, just like teaching them things through like little tiny jobs, like fixing a bike or, you know, um, little odd jobs like that. And so he knows by the description that the boy with the red jacket is a little boy named Oscar. And so they go to Oscar's house. Now, this is what, the third or fourth episode now without Torres in it? At least. Yeah, so so we find out that Torres is testifying in a jury trial all week. Okay, I'm gonna just say it. I'm just gonna say it. When he's gone and it's just the Berzik waters and Haley, it's dry. It feels weird. It feels weird. It's and very, like, yeah. We didn't talk about this news because it happened over hiatus and I think it just got overlooked that like, we didn't talk about the news, the fact that came out that- there's a chance we're probably going to see a lot more of this next year and mm-hmm. that the actors will probably do somewhere between like 18 and 20 episodes, obviously in a rotating thing, you know, we'll still yeah. get 22 episodes, but like rotating between 18 and 20 for each actor because of like budget cuts and things like that, which is so stupid. So but, dumb. So I have a feeling we'll see more things like that, but like, it just feels weird. Yeah. Like, especially on these he- such heavy ensemble shows like, I would think that if anyone can get away with it, it's PD because PD does such the character focus episodes. But even just like not seeing him feels weird. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels incomplete because when you see, you know, when you see them in a scene, if they're in the bullpen or something, you're just like, okay, well, wait, this isn't the whole team. Where's so-and-so? Yeah. Like, where's where's Dante? It's missing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just, and it's, it's a constant like thorn in your side through the whole episode. You're like, okay, well, here's one, two, three, four. Wait, where's the rest of the team? And I think the whole thing too, is that like, it feels even weirder because this was his first season. Yeah. Like, I think if it had been like Ruzik or someone else, granted, I wouldn't have liked it either, but I think it just feels weirder because it's his first season and it just is like, oh, okay, well, he's a series regular but he's not a real series like it kind of gives that vibes mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't know it just feels very weird it's the same vibe I got when he wasn't in the 200th photos I was like look I understand he just got here but he's part of this family he wasn't too even now in the episode let him exactly. the photos he wasn't exactly. even in the episode and I'm like that's just so it feels so disrespectful yes yes I know he's new but he's part of this family regardless yeah it feels weird. The balance is off. And next next year, I think, is going to feel really weird when, like, we pop up for an episode and Burgess isn't there. We're just like, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. This is weird. So, yeah. So, they go to Oscar's house. And this kid does not live in Kev's building, but he hangs out in Burnside with his friends. And because he always tells Lou that he hangs out at Burnside because he feels like it's safe at Kevin's place. Mm-hmm. Kevin. Sweet Kevin. So... Oscar's sister is home. She takes him to Oscar's room, but they don't find him. He's gone. What they do find is the bag he was carrying, which is full of heroin and has blood all over it. Great. Awesome. So we go back to the 21st and Lou stops by to talk to Kevin. And he basically confirms what Oscar's sister has been saying. He's like, there's absolutely no way Oscar could have done this. Like, absolutely not. But he does think he knows where Oscar could have been hiding. So they go check it out and they find him in a park. And 
I was not expecting this little tiny kid to pull a gun. That was like a shocking moment. No. Yeah. No. So, um, yeah. So they find Oscar and they corner, they basically corner him. Cause like he goes to run, but Burgess is at the other angle and he pulls the gun. And so Kim and Kevin are like, dude, like you need to drop the gun. Like they handle it from a distance, but Lou is just not listening at all. Like Kevin's like, Lou, you need to get the fuck out of there. And he's not listening. And then Kim's like, you need to move. Like this kid might shoot you. You need to do something. And Lou just goes, it goes in one ear and out the other, which is just like maddening. Did this scene feel weird to you? Yes. Like, I like by the end of the episode, I felt less weird about Lou. But in this moment, I was like, where are they going with Lou? Well, this a lot of it felt just kind of like creepy. Well, it wasn't creepy to me, but a lot of Lou's involvement in this case was weird to me because I was like, why the fuck is he here? No, it was just the first I like I didn't really know where they were going because like, honestly, I kind of had the thought given like the way he was like. Yeah, because it kind of made it seem like, oh, yeah, Lou's hanging out with kids and, like, that's kind of creepy. And then, like, once you get to the end of the episode, like, I definitely didn't think it was as creepy as I thought. But, like, it's, like, in the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, Lou's hanging out with these kids. And then, like, something about this scene just made it seem creepy. And I was, like, kind of, like, I was, like, are we going, like, a child, you know? I was, like, like, that crossed my brain for, like, a hot second. That did not even cross my mind. It crossed my brain for a hot second. Until, like, once we got, you know, more fleshed out and, like, deeper in the episode. But for a hot second, I was like, that's, I, like, really thought for a second. I was like, are we going there? Because, like, I'm not, not, no. That's dark even for you, Brenna. I know. Damn. But, okay, but you see, now that I say that, do you see where I could have picked that up in the beginning of this episode? Yeah, I, my brain, my brain was one step removed from that. So I didn't go there. But when Oscar started covering for someone, Lou was definitely like suspect number one on my list. Yeah. Which I think was what this episode was all set up for was for you to question Lou and be like, ooh, Kevin's being too trusting or is he, you know? Yeah. All of that. And so, um, yeah, Lou just being so involved was really weird. And so, uh, yeah, Lou gets the gun and, you know, Oscar basically does what Lou says, which is great. Well, they bring him in for questioning and he's got his child advocate there. Why the fuck is Lou there? This makes no sense. Lou is yeah. in no capacity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess Oscar had asked for him, but still, like, Lou is not there in any sort of capacity. Yeah, it's because Oscar asked for him, but okay, still. So Oscar confesses to shooting Malik, which when that happens, I'm like, dude, it's we are 20 minutes into this episode. There is so much time left. Yeah, I was what like, this can't doing? be the actual suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, they were goofing off doing kid things and the gun went off. And he then goes on to say that the drugs are his. And so everybody in the room is like, dude, no, like we know you're lying. And so um Lou's convinced that he's lying. And Oscar keeps saying he's like, no, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. So Ke- or Hank comes in, pulls Kevin out of questioning, and he's like, dude, Malik didn't make it because, hey, it's PD. We're a dark-ass show, and we kill kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Malik did not make it. And so we come back from commercial, and Lou is just, like, way too involved. Way too involved. Look, if Oscar's saying he shot Malik, even if it was an accident, that is reckless discharge, maybe even manslaughter. What if Oscar takes credit for the gun and the drugs, too? That's a whole different deal. Second-degree murder. Murder? 
Are you, are you, are you kidding me? No, it's time to go. Let's go. That kid was lying in there. That was clear as day. There's no way in hell you all didn't feel that. Now, you know he was lying. Come on. Let's get up out of here. No, no, come on. Now, he's a good kid. Now, you're not banking him for all this. There's no way in hell you police are turning that kid into a murderer. You heard enough. Let's get out of here. I mean, really? Come on, stop playing. Yeah. Bro. What if this is like one of those things like, Lou, did you really think that the police are just going to be like, yeah, okay, we're charging, like, we're just charging Oscar with murder. Like, we're not going to try to actually solve, like, you know, it's just like, it was one of the things where it's like, Lou just assumed. And it's like, you know what they say about when you assume things? Well, yes, but also you can't really blame him, right? Because like, presumably he knows how broken the system is. No, that's true. That's true. But it's like, you didn't even give Kevin, especially like your own son, a chance to like prove that he's better than that. Right. Right. You just assumed that he was going to go along with whatever the system said and, you know, what the evidence pointed to. Because they don't know each other. Yeah, yeah and I, I think mean, that's really like, was just evident that, like, Lou assumed that Kevin wasn't going to do the right thing and really try to fight and, you know, realize that Oscar wasn't guilty. And, yeah, it just really, it just highlighted that point more. There was something really, like not disturbing, but kind of like jarring about how, you know, Lou's like going on this tangent and Hank and Kim are just like not saying a word. They're just waiting for Kevin to be like, you know, handle your dad, please. Like, yeah, just handle this. Um, yeah, just something a little jarring about that, but I'm going to sneeze. No, I'm not. You want to adjust that. It was there. Okay, fine. Whatever. I'll keep talking. It was right there. I hate when that happens. Okay. So yeah, so Kev escorts Lou out. There is that Platt moment that's pretty great because like Lou's just like yelling at Kev and Platt's like, do you need me? And Lou's like, I'm his father. And Platt's like, I don't give I don't a care. shit. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I've said it before, but like the increase, even though they're little moments, the increase in Platt moments we got this season has been just like amazing. Yeah. Because there was amazing. a long time where we barely got to see Platt and now we get to see her a lot, even if it's just for like two seconds and they're, so good yeah yeah i just love that he's like the, the way he was like i'm his father and like the subtext there of trudy just being like i'm more of a parental figure than you've ever been to your kids so like what are you yeah. doing like yeah that was funny and then kevin being like look you can be as mad at me as you all as you want you do not want to mess with trudy yeah <laughs> like, no get no oh so funny so back upstairs, they start doing the math, trying to figure out who Oscar is trying to protect. And so, you know, Hank's just like, let's not let two kids' lives get destroyed today. You know, let's figure this out. So Haley finds Oscar's Finsta. If you were to tell me that someone in intelligence knows what a Finsta is, I don't think I would have said Haley. Who would you have said? Kim? Yeah. I Dante. For sure, Torres. Yeah, just because he's the baby. Kim, maybe, because, but Kim and Adam are probably really on top of Max, like, social media access. She probably has no social media access. That's true. She's eight, nine. How, how old is Mac now? She was born in 14, so she's going to be nine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's going to be nine. But, okay, I think if, if Mac has any sort of socials, it's like, she has an Instagram, and the only people who follow her are Kevin Jordan yeah yeah she's like solely restricted so that she can only follow like kim adam kev and jordan and that's it yeah but 
And it doesn't totally surprise me that Haley finds Oscar Spencer, but what definitely does not surprise me is Ruzik doesn't know what it is. And I was dying when Ruzik's like, what's a Finsta? And I was like, Jesus. Well, that's about, I was like, you know, Ruzik, you not knowing what, that's about right. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> Take it from here. So they're in Oscar's Finsta. And basically the only thing they really find is these DMs from the same person with some addresses. And one of them is a residence that's a drug spot. So Kevin and Ruzik roll up to this like motel, apartment building, whatever it is. It's sketch. Yeah, it's really sketch. Um, and basically they're looking for whoever this kid is or that knows Oscar. And so Kevin goes upstairs. He hears shouting. Basically, they end up finding some dude escaping out the back. And of course... He actually ends up beating up Rusik pretty good compared. You know, normally it's like you get one punch in or whatever and you kind of run away. But this guy ends up beating up Rusik pretty good. Oh my God. I was like, not the face, not the face. Yeah. And it, of course, the guy ends up getting away. So they go into the guy's apartment and they find this name, Carlos Sepataro. Turns out he's Oscar's father. he has been a ghost in his life until now and yeah so kevin goes to question oscar about his dad when the child is killed like this somebody has to take the punishment and everybody involved has to take accountability you've already done that part you do not deserve the punishment that doesn't have to be you. Please don't let that be you. So tell me the truth. Who does the bag of drugs and the gun belong to? I told you. It was all my stuff. And the gun, and the drugs. It wasn't anybody else's. This scene, I was just like, this these scenes with like Kevin and Oscar are really hard to watch. This kid who plays Oscar, oh my god, yeah, he's so good. Oh my god, and like the Dean Winchester single man tear, just oh, this kid was incredible, and he hardly said two words. Yeah, it's but yeah, what especially when Kevin's like plead basically pleading with him, he's like you know everybody involved has to take accountability he's like you've already done that like you don't deserve the punishment like that doesn't have to be you like please don't let it be you oh my god oh my god and the parallels between oscar and his dad and kevin Mm -hmm. and lou because like kev was oscar's age when lou went away Mm -hmm. and oscar is just covering for his dad because he's so desperate to have him in his life oh my god yeah so they end up pinging the dad's burner phone to this bar. So they're basically going to just like go pick him up. And so they're getting ready to start the motion, the plan in motion. And Kevin spots Lou's car outside this bar. And so Void's like, okay, well, go quietly, but go figure it out. Oh my and God, there's, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, there's, there's a little moment here. So when he figures out that it's his dad's car, 
And he like looks at Berzik and he just goes, damn. And he says, damn, like, so like under his breath, that is such a loaded damn though. Like it means like 15 different things. Mm -hmm. Oh man. It's like, damn, he just fucked up the investigation. Damn. I trusted my dad and he disappointed me. Yeah. Like there's a million different things that that damn means. Oh, it's so loaded. I felt so bad for him. Yeah. So he goes and like looks through the window and Kevin sees the two of them talking inside. Um, and instead, Kevin doesn't go inside at first to make a scene. He calls Lou to come and like is like, dude, come outside. And Lou's like, uh, I can't talk right now. No. So Kevin and Kim go inside very carefully. They're trying not to make a scene. And but Zapataro notices like Lou getting kind of twitchy and then he sees Kevin and he immediately like pulls a knife on Lou's neck. And they like walk out into the back and, you know, they got him cornered. Lou's ends up able to like get himself away and they do end up getting Zapataro in cuffs. And Kevin goes to talk to Lou and he's like, well, what the, like, basically like, what the fuck were you doing? Mm-hmm. And Lou admits he had this plan and, Kevin's actually kind of impressed with the plan at first. He's like, you know, that that's not a bad plan, but I, I wouldn't have known that. Like, you didn't come to me. Like, you should have come to me with your plan first. Um, and Lou sarcastically is like, well, we did. Both did real good for the kid. Like, you know, like, and she's like, it's a little too bit of a cheap shot, but it's like, you. Kevin's like, I'm not mad at you for your plan. Your plan is actually not that bad, but like, dude. Lou does not, t- Lou does not get to take a cheap shot at Kev. For being like, uh, uh, he doesn't get to take a cheap shot about doing good for a kid. Like, that's rich coming from Lou. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, of course, they bring in Zapataro for questioning, and he is denying everything. You fought with police. You held a knife to a man's throat. I mean, you're going to do time no matter what happens. So what do we have to talk about? Your son, Oscar. We don't want him doing time, too. What's I gotta do with me? Everything. He's your kid. We know it was your gun that killed Malik Thompson. We know it was your dope in that bag. You just gotta tell us that's right and Oscar goes home. Listen to me. You're gonna do time regardless. We're giving you a layup right now. It ain't gonna cost you a damn thing to just let your son go home and have a full life. You think I'm admitted to new charges? That is your boy. That's your son. I know you think that means something to me. It doesn't. So let me get this straight. You ain't let your 12-year-old boy do time for you. That's your decision. guess so this is so cool i mean i didn't expect anything else from this scene but it's like just even hearing zapataro say that that he doesn't care i was like i hate this man so much that is some next level psychopath shit yeah yeah and of course they still have no evidence to link zapataro to the gun or the drugs and kevin's like well we've got one person still who can hand us the truth 
And so Kevin convinces the child advocate that Kevin is going to go talk, basically let to let Kevin go talk to Oscar alone. Oscar, I need you to see something. Okay? And I'm not showing you this to hurt you. I just want to save you from a life of juvie. I want to save you from a life of thinking that that man deserves you. crying the scene is so heartbreaking and all he cares about is being able to visit his dad in jail yeah even after all that even after he watches the video he hears what his dad says in the scene in that clip we just played earlier he hears that and he's still like can i go visit my dad in jail and kevin like nobody gets that better than kevin yeah oh it's so heartbreaking just knife to the heart it's so heartbreaking. That little kid is incredible. Yeah, so good. And yeah, then the episode ends and Kevin goes to Lou's apartment after Oscar confesses the truth. That move to buy dope off that Pitaro, that was, was actually good. I should have trusted you. All these kids in the neighborhood, they remind me of you. What I missed. That's why I've been trying to help him. I don't know. Do something right this time. Hmm. Gotta trust me too. Told you we were gonna do right by that boy. That's what we do. That's what I do. Yeah, I see that. Thing is, that part of you that didn't come from me. We don't know each other real well. Um. What you know about radiators? Miss Banks up there in 3F. She got a knock on her radiator. I wouldn't know where to start. Gotta use the bleed valve. Bleed valve? What's that? When air gets stuck up in there, it bumps up against the hot water. That's the knock. You gotta bleed it out, release that pressure. Then you can start it up new again. 
the bleed valve metaphor is a plus 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 yeah i i love that i love that they brought it back because it makes so much sense and it was just it was so well done it was mm-hmm. really a nice touch yeah if i'm kevin i don't trust him completely yet but this is a good start yes i know i 100 agree but honestly this just makes me want more kevin and lou can see it yeah i just i i hope it's not one of those things where like next season comes around and like yes we get more kevin episodes but like they never like i don't want lou to just like die like granted i don't want every episode to be a lou episode but like i hope we just i hope we get to see more of him i need to see him with at least jordan like you were saying because this dynamic is just so interesting and i think Mm. says a lot about kevin and how kevin grew up and like reveals a lot and i just I don't want it to just be something we never see again or see not see for another like three years. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes those things happen. I'm with you on that completely. Yeah. So good. So, so good. Can I say something? I like kind of what you're talking about, you know, how we talking about like Sylvie being pigeonholed into kind of like the boys only storylines. Yeah. I was just thinking about how, like, I was going to say, I kind of want the opposite. Like Kevin, I feel like gets pigeonholed into like all the serious stuff storylines. And obviously I'm like, so I was thinking, I was like, yeah, Kevin can have some more loose stuff next year. But like, if we want to go back to Kevin having the love interest, like, that'd be great. Kevin almost has the opposite problem. Look, I get that. I get that Dylan Scott left, but Zora's still out there somewhere. I'm just saying. Or I, what was the other girl's name that he was serious about? Oh, shit. Oh, 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 uh, started with a C. Um, Celeste? Yes. She can come back too. I'm just saying. Yeah, but like. He was still on her hook for a while. He kept like calling her and she didn't want anything I know, to do with him. Cause she he Kevin fucked up. God, they were so good together though. The chemistry was banana. But you know what I'm saying? Kevin almost has the opposite problem. He got <laughs> pigeonholed into something like all the serious, you know, stuff. And he like has never had a love interest or really had that many love interests. So I'm like, Kevin can have the love interest. Give him all the lovey dovey stuff. The lovey dovey stuff. This is PD. We don't do lovey dovey. We do angst and sadness. No, that is a lie. We've got Bersic back. They do we do, do love lovey dovey. Yeah. We have Bersic back. Lauren's gonna like angry text me when she hears this part tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um man. yeah. So we did have some listener thoughts. Heather B said, I love the metaphor of the bleed valve they use at the end to represent the relationship between Kevin and Lou. Hopefully with the pressure off of them, maybe we can start rebuilding or they can start rebuilding and we get to see more of him next season. She also said the Bursic Water moments this episode were so strong. Also just the little bits of comedy they were able to string into a very heavy episode were great. More of that, please. Still kind of strange Taurus is just like not there again, but I guess we're going to have to get used to that if for next year of the whole cast with the whole cast if i read the article correctly why do i know it's going to be everybody but void because it probably is yeah 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 uh devon they said this episode was such a well-balanced story Leroy's- always slays the kevin episodes the way he approaches kevin's actions and the language that they write for him is just a hundred percent a chef's kiss for the episode you can tell kevin wants to be able to trust his dad now that he claims to want to change his life post prison but as many patterns point to it's not always that easy to change your previous ways 
seems like Lou is trying to mentor these kids before getting pulled into the gang influence. I'm not sure being an unofficial CI or fixer for the neighborhood goes really well with being on parole, but I hope we get to see more of this relationship developing, developing because it's great to give our characters lots of backstory and outside characters that can become relevant. You know what stuck out to me is that in, the, in that very last scene when he says to Kevin, he's like, you did not get this, like this side of taking care of people. You didn't get this from me. Like, at yeah. all. So uh, there's just a lot we don't know, but it's mm -hmm. showing us a whole new side of Kevin and I'm yep. so here for it. Yep. And also that's, like, if if Kev can let that resentment go, yeah. that's big. Mm-hmm. Because Kevin is the best human. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's the best Hufflepuff ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other notes on this episode? It was so good. This was really good. Yeah. Um, also, the night that we're recording this, it's still technically Larissa's birthday. So yes, happy birthday, Larissa. Happy birthday, Larissa. We adore you. Not that you're listening, but like we love you. Yeah. So before we wrap today, we chatted with Chicago Meds Lila Rich Creek Estrada. She plays Nellie. And she was wonderful and like effortlessly gorgeous. Oh, stunning. I, my hair is not that perfect ever, even after I blow dry it. Yeah. She's so yeah. pretty. Oh my God. She's so pretty. But we chatted with Lila. It was lovely. She was wonderful. And here is our chat. Nice to meet you. Uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us on the pod. I know we've reached out. We had some scheduling issues. Sorry about that. Real life does no. that thing sometimes, but <laughs> No you know. worries. No worries. Yeah. So, so we'll just jump right in. Um, tell us how you got involved in acne originally. Um, well, I came out of the womb pretty much wanting to act, but my mom <laughs> would not allow it. She's like, you're not going to be a child star. You're going to be normal. Um, so instead of acting when I was young, I was a dancer and uh, a performer. And then I went to a performing arts high school and that's how I got my start acting. And then when I graduated, I started auditioning professionally. And that was like my call. I didn't go to college. That was like my college experience, just straight into the, into the real world, which I think really helped actually, because no one needs a college degree to have fun and play pretend and, and <laughs> say made up words and stuff. So you never considered anything else. It was always acting or bust. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I never had a, I never had a plan B. My, my mom really wanted me to have a plan B, but my dad was very much like, look, if you're going to do this, do this and just go all in. I think you can do it and don't have a plan B because it'll distract you from plan A. So just, just go do it, do it for real. Um, which I think gave me a lot of confidence and encouragement to pursue it hard and pursue well. It helps that I grew up in LA. So I was able to live at home longer than a lot of the transplants that come out here, you know, and I didn't have to pay rent right away. And I could, you know, I had the support of my family close to me and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was gung ho from the beginning. Nice. Nice. So uh, you joined Chicago Med this season. Tell us what your audition process was like. Um, very quick and very unexpected. I, um, 
I got the audition and we're still um, all, we're still doing self-tapes even to this day. Um, so I got the audition to do a tape and I taped it and sent it off and didn't think too much of it because before Chicago Med, I had done one other drama, which was my very first job in 2012. So I booked Chicago Med last year. So 10 years after my first job, I had only done comedy. So I did it and I was like, whatever, send it out into the ether and, you know, who knows. And then um, a few weeks went by and um, my manager was like, hey, you're one of the choices for this for this show um, and they want to do a callback. And I like didn't even remember that I did it. I swear because everything is taped in this one room that I'm in right now. <laughs> I like, I have no context. I'm like, what was that? I can't even tell you what it was. Um, so, so yeah, so then I did a zoom callback with, um, the director and, and, uh, the showrunners and, you know, some of the writers and stuff. And then, um, did that, did each scene like twice. And also when you're doing zoom, everybody blacks out their camera and their mic. So I have no idea. I, I can't see anybody's facial expressions. I have no idea what anybody's thinking. So again, I did that and was kind of like, all right, cool. Send it off into the ether. And then, um, yeah, I think the next day I heard that, uh, that I was pinned for it and they needed network approval. And then I had it by the next day. And then I flew out for my first episode, like three days later, and then did that all season. Wow. That's yeah. fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very, very fast. And like I said, unexpected. That's awesome. You were talking about obviously how you've done a lot of comedy up until now. So do you, now that you have a season of med under your belt, do you prefer comedy still, or do you like drama now that you've done a little bit more of it? No, I, um, I really like both. It, it just stretches different muscles and so when you've been doing one thing for so long, it's really nice to do something totally different. And, and even with, within drama and within comedy, there's just different genres. Right. So I'm doing a medical drama now, but I could do a different type of drama, you know, right. in the future or whatever. So it's just nice. Like every job uh, stretches me in a different way. And I just, I enjoy all of it for sure. That's great. So, so some actors we talk to, some of them don't even watch TV. So are, are you a big TV watcher? Were you familiar with the shows before you joined? Oh yeah. The Chicago's are um, pretty legendary. I was a diehard Chicago Fire fan when it first came on because that was the first in the franchise. Um, and I had seen all of them. I hadn't watched the uh, uh, all three shows consistently, but I knew you know, you know, the characters, unless there were newer ones that I just hadn't seen yet. Um, but yeah, definitely. You just, you also, as an actor in LA, like, you know, the Chicago's because you've, aud you've auditioned for them, <laughs> at least one of them at some point, because they've just been on for so long. And, you know, in classes, they use them as just material to, um, to work on in class and that kind of stuff. So uh, I was definitely, definitely familiar with it. Okay. Yeah. We, we haven't heard that, that they've been using classes and everything. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. yeah. What do you think of the concept of the shared universe on this level? It's so fun. It's so fun and it's so genius. And I don't know why it's so fun, but as a viewer, 
you just, I don't know, you feel like you're kind of like in the know a little bit more like, oh, right. And you were doing that on that other episode and blah, blah, blah. you just feel more like part of the family, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I love it. I love crossovers. They're so much fun. I would love to do one. It's my dream. They haven't done like a big one in a while since, since like pre-COVID, I think. Um, but that, I just think it would be so much fun. And the people that I'm friends with who like are also diehard Chicago fans, they worship the the crossovers too. Like that's all they want to see is just like, just make it a three hour show every week. Like, let's just see what everybody's doing all the time. Right. Accurate. That's how we feel too. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Um, if you, I guess I'm curious now, if you could guest star on like Fire PD, who would like, which character or actor would you most want to work with? Ooh, that's a great question. Well, I worked with um, Tracy from PD mm -hmm. very, very briefly in, um, I think it was episode eight of MED this, this last season. Mm -hmm. um, and our scene was so small, so we didn't get to act much together, but we got to hang out in between weeks and all of that stuff. And she's so cool and fun and would, I think would just be, a fun person to like get to hang around for an episode and chat. And I love working with strong women uh, as well. So I think she would probably be fun. Yeah. Fun with. Yeah. That's great. So uh, when you joined, I mean, what kind of medical training did you get? Was it a whole new language for you? So because I got cast and then was off to do my first episode, like three days later, I didn't get a lot of, I didn't get any training. So my training was the studying I was doing in my hotel room before, you know, I would go shoot X scene, you know, the next day or whatever. Um, but yeah, just like, you have to know what you're talking about. And look, there's also advisors on set. So if I'm confused about something, I always have a professional to tell me, no, it would go like this. Yes, it would go like that, blah, blah, blah. But I need to know the basis of what I'm talking about. So I sound like a doctor, not just like an <laughs> actor saying words, you know? So yeah, in every episode, I have to study up on whatever we're talking about, um, which has actually been pretty cool. I've, uh, I've learned a lot. I tend to forget it after, after <laughs> it's necessary for the episode to know it, but you know, it's fun while I know it. It's fun while it's in my brain, you know? Awesome. Um, now that you have a season under your belt, I'm curious in what ways are you similar to Nellie and in what ways are you different from her? Um, I think, uh, we're similar in a lot of ways. I think she's extremely tenacious and very intelligent. Um, I think she doubts herself a little bit more than I do, but I love that about her because it gives her such empathy. I mean, look, I have empathy too. Um, I am a human and an actor. Um, so, but I think that's something that I actually love to see in her is her doubt herself and then, you know, get to be vulnerable with Charles or, you know, with Hannah and, have and lean on people and have them, you know, pull out confidence in her and then be able to go do her thing, you know? I think yeah. she's really cool. I think she's very cool and very human and very well-rounded. 
Absolutely. And we've really seen her evolve over the course of the season. When she joined, she was very much a stick to the books kind of person. And now she's evolved with more empathy and more heart as the season's gone on. So what has that been like to portray that journey? Really, really cool. I mean, like I said, I, I appreciated Nellie in the beginning of how strong uh, her conviction was with what she thought was right. And I was like, yeah, you go girl. Like just because you're young and you know, fresh doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. But then I also love that she was able to take direction and soften and show vulnerability in order to evolve and in order to take guidance from people who just know more than her. You know, I think the relationship between her and Dr. Charles is just so cool. It's so cool to see Dr. Charles's, um, you know, just intuition he's been he's been a doctor for decades so he has an elevated level of intuition when it comes to his patients and it's so cool to watch her learn from that and there was an episode I don't even remember which one it was at this point and I'm not sure it has aired but um where Nellie starts uh borrowing some of Dr. Charles's you know, tactics and questions, which I just think is so cool. That's, and that's so real of, I think, you know, a young doctor wanting to do well in her field, like, oh, let me, let me learn from the people who have been here all this time and how do they do it? And, you know, yes, I have this tool set. I know, I know things by the book and I don't need to practice that. I need to practice this other side of this softer, empathetic, uh, intuition led way of being. And, yeah, I just think it's it's just been really cool overall. That's awesome. The other big part of Nellie's journey this season has been obviously us finding out that she's a DACA recipient. And so I'm curious, did you know when you first got the character description for her, Nellie that she was a DACA, DACA recipient? Or is that something you didn't find out until that script came out? I didn't find that out. Um, Jesse Schramm actually told me in a van ride at 5 a.m. going to set one morning. She's like, hey, I read episode whatever it was, and uh, you're a DACA recipient. I was like, whoa, that's really good to know from <laughs> now on moving forward. Um, no, and I think because they didn't know how long Nellie was going to stick around. I wasn't booked for the whole season originally. I was booked for a guaranteed for three episodes. And they said it could last all season, but you just don't know. And so I think they had a lot of plans for Nellie should everything work out and should everything jive and, you know, should I, you know, be fun to work with and not mess up too terribly. Um, and so I only knew what was given to me at the time. And it's just really cool because it keeps, it keeps evolving and I keep learning more about her and stuff, which just makes it, um, which just makes it really fun and, and, and interesting and cool to do. That's great. And have you heard any of the fan reaction to it? Has it been positive? Um, I don't look at any fan reaction. I've been told by um, a few other podcast hosts that it's been good, but I don't look at, um, yeah, I don't look at any of those communities or, or read any comments or anything like that. It's kind of like a strict rule I have with myself. No, and it's a good rule. Don't get me wrong. It's a good rule. <laughs> but no, the, yeah. we can we can assure you the reception's been very positive. We all love Nelly. Okay. So yeah, it's been good. Fun. 
Um, you were talking a little bit earlier about how obviously Nellie works the closest with Dr. Charles played by Oliver Platt. And I'm just curious, what's it like working with him? Uh, such a dream. My God, he is so a prolific. So just to watch an actor who's had a career in acting like Dr. Charles has in medicine, it's really, really fascinating and cool and just the gravitas and command he has of a set. But also he's, there's just something that you see with people who are at a certain level in their career where they don't need to prove anything. There's just such a calm steadiness to them that's so reassuring and lovely to be around. Um, and he has that and he's just so kind and funny. And he's a jokester, he's really funny. He's always like, everything's light and fun. Nothing's too, nothing is too precious ever, which is the best kind of attitude to have with acting, I think. Um, so it's just, it's so great. It's so great. And I, um, I started working with him and then I was a little late to watch the bear. So I binged it. I think I did episode one came home and then like binge all the episodes with my husband. And then I was like, oh, oh, wait, that's Oliver playing a completely different character. So that was just also really fun too, just to see, see that. And, you know, I got to go back and like talk to him about it, which was, which was pretty cool too, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. We always say, because I mean, I mean, Oliver is on one of one of our favorite shows of all time beyond the Chicago's is West Wing. And so we always say that we would love to just sit in a room with Oliver, Annie Paitha, and maybe even Stephen Weber and just have them like tell Hollywood stories and we can just sit back and listen. And mm -hmm. so um, have either of you, have you, have you had that moment with any of them where they told stories or give you any career advice? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. He, Oliver has, um, no career advice. Um, I think that's also, that gets personal. And I, I don't know if people offer up advice without being asked as much anymore, I've noticed mm -hmm. at least, um, which I don't mind. I think that's also very respectful. But, um, but yeah, Oliver has uh, told a story about when, um, when he was on, was it West Wing or was it something else? I forget at one point, but he was working with this and I'm not going to say it because it's not my story to tell, but it was just a very like inside, like behind the curtain inside scoop on what it was like to work with this particular showrunner. And, um, and it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting to hear this about X person. It's, it's very wild. And also Steven Weber is awesome and he's so fun and like light to be around as well. And Apatha's lovely and and very cool as well that's awesome um even though we've seen nelly work with most of the doctors in the ed at this point who do you wish you could work with more um i would love to work with dominic because i don't like him and i have literally this is dominic and lila in real life have like asked each other maybe three times all season and have just been like hey <laughs> We don't really know each other, but we know each other kind of. So hi. And that's like, that's it. We've said hi, I think three times. Um, so that would be fun just so I can like, you know, get to know him and, and say more than hi. But um, so I'm going to say that because I haven't worked with him at all. 
Nice. Nice choice. So the next time we see you is going to be 821. Yes. Uh, what can you tease about anything that's coming up for Nelly? Um, well, I think she really just settles into her place at med and gets comfy cozy there. And yeah, without ruining anything, I think she just gets very settled and feels that episode feels very full circle for her. Okay. Okay. So we know you guys have wrapped for the season. We got to try. If we're off base, just tell us you can't tell us. Are there any plans for Nellie in season nine? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And that's okay. all I can Okay. I know there is a season nine for sure. I can tell you guys that because we that. just don't know when at this point, but yes. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Um, we mentioned it earlier, but obviously, aside from the one Chicago shows, we're also big television fans in general. And so we always ask this question: what are you watching right now? What are you enjoying? Um, well, obviously the usual stuff, succession, duh. Although I'm a little behind because I promised my husband he's been out of town working for three weeks and I promised I would wait for him. Big mistake. Um, so I'm like three weeks behind, but that's fine. He's coming home tomorrow and we'll be binging. And I'm going through that right now with my husband and Ted Lasso. I'm like seven weeks behind and it's completely his fault. Yes. And Ted Lasso as well. I'm behind on. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it your husband's fault too? Yes, because he's gone. <laughs> Like See, Brianna, this happens to other people too. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. Yes. Um, and you know what I'm watching? What I started watching from the beginning um, because I love comedy is New Girl because when it was on, I only watched the first two seasons and then stopped for some reason. But it is so good and such great comedy and everybody is so incredible in that. And like, duh, that's why it was on for so long. But um I just, I had never seen beyond season two and um, I'm in season five or five or six right now. And um, so that's another thing that's, that I'm watching. That's old school, but so good. So good. I love it. Well, uh, yeah, well, that's about all we've got. Thank you so much for coming yes, on the pod. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. This was so much fun. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, tell everybody really fast. Where can we find you on socials? Um, pretty much Instagram. I don't really use Twitter. So I'm at Lila Rich Creek Estrada on the gram. Come say hi. Oh yeah. By the way, that wedding photo you posted with Devin, you guys looked so good. Yes. Thank you. You guys know the story about that? Did he tell you guys? No. No. Okay. We share a mutual best friend and him and I had never met until we booked this job and we were actual brides people in her wedding we booked this job and then she was like oh yeah so like two of my best friends are on the same show together they've never met we met in Chicago and then did all of like the bridesmaid stuff (laughs) and so yeah so now our real life adventures are now fan fiction for I think That's he posted so that cool. picture after the wedding and came, or after, not the wedding, after we talked to him. And so it popped up and we were just like, oh my God, they look amazing. Yeah. We were like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Fan fiction for med for the, for our characters is kind of my favorite thing. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but anytime <laughs> some of us are not on an episode, we make up reasons as to what our characters are doing in the stories. And- no, we love the backstory game. Yeah. We yes. talked to Connor about that. That's a, that's a really funny one. 
it's really fun. It's, it's my favorite thing. So. <laughs> love it. I love it. So, well, Lila, it was a pleasure. Thank you yes, so much thank for coming you. on the pod. Of course. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. This was so much fun. Once again, big thank you to Lila for joining us on the pod. The, the med interns are the coolest. Yeah. I love that. We got all three of them this year and I just, I love them. They're, they please better bring come them back, back season. Yeah. yeah they're so please cool. bring them back. Yeah. We love them. They're all so sweet. So yeah. Um, big thanks to Lila. Follow her on social media. Make sure you can find her, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, that's about all we've got for today. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know the drill. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok. I think that's it, right? Um, it's Meet Us at Molly's everywhere. Um, yeah, follow us there. Um, check out the link in our socials to our T Public page because we've got merch. There's new merch I need to drop. I just haven't yet. Um, yeah. A little busy, just a little busy. Um, check out the link on our socials to our Patreon page. There's also a bonus episode I need to drop that I haven't finished editing yet. Um, once I get my test out of the way, I'll be like so much clear-headed, just able to focus on other things. Um, yeah, so that's going on. Uh, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I'm at Bryna K13. As long as there's new episodes of the po- or of the shows, there's new episodes of us. Yeah, so, you're stuck with us for all of May. Oh, God, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, um, give us a follow. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at mollies at gmail.com. Seriously, anything. Mm-hmm. Our inbox is a safe space. Safe space. Yep. And if you ask us a question we don't know the answer to, we're just going to say, we don't know, but here's our guess. So yeah. that's totally fine. Ask us whatever you want to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's about it for today. In the meantime, everybody have a great weekend. Um, binge watch some shows. I'm going to see Ed Sheeran. I'm so excited. I love him so much. This weekend? Yeah, on Saturday. He's starting his tour here. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. I love seeing him live. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah. So everybody have a great weekend and we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>